Hey, Chad Brown here. You may remember me as a linebacker in the NFL or as a reptile breeder and the owner of Pro Exotics. I've been herping since I was a boy, and I've dedicated my life to advancing the industry and educating the community about the importance of reptiles. I also love to encourage the joy of breeding and keeping reptiles as a hobbyist, which is why my partner Robin Markland and I create the Reptile Report. The Reptile Report is our online news aggregation site bringing you the most up-to-date discussions from the reptile world. Visit TheReptileReport.com every day to stay on top of the latest reptile news and information. We encourage you to visit the site and submit your exciting reptile news, photos, and links so we can feature outstanding breeders and hobbyists just like you. The Reptile Report offers powerful branding and marketing exposure for your business, and the best part is it's free. If you're a buyer or a breeder, you've got to check out the Reptile Report Marketplace. The Marketplace is the reptile world's most complete buying and selling destination full of features to help put you in touch with the perfect deal. Find exactly what you're looking for with our advanced search system. Search by sex, weight, morph, or other keywords and use our Buy It Now option to buy that animal right now. Go to marketplace.thereptilereport.com and register your account for free. Be sure to link your Marketplace account to your Ship Your Reptiles account to earn free tokens with each shipping label you book. Use the Marketplace to sell your animals and supplies and maximize your exposure with a platinum ad that also gets fed to the Reptile Report and our powerful Marketplace Facebook page. Buying and selling? Use shipyourreptiles.com to take advantage of our discounted priority overnight shipping rates. ShipYourReptiles.com can also supply you with the materials needed to safely ship your animals successfully. Use ShipYourReptiles.com to take advantage of our discounted priority overnight shipping rates, the materials needed to ship your reptiles successfully, live customer support, and our live, on-time arrival insurance program. We got you covered. Visit TheReptileReport.com to learn or share about the animals. Click on the link to the marketplace, find that perfect pet or breeder. Then visit ShipYourReptiles.com to ship that animal anywhere in the United States. We are your one-stop shop for everything reptile-related. On radio, the only reptile podcast that promises you a weekly dose of your reptile content that you crave. We also got Owen. Nobody else. Usually. Owen. 
no one does. And there's a reason no. for that. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> um, no, no, there yeah, is not. Oh, okay. <laughs> On tonight's episode, we're going to be joined by Brian Rumley. Uh, we are talking colubrids. Um, he has an awesome collection of colubrids with some uh, Morelia that he has as well. But uh, for the most part, he has uh, he has quite quite an assortment of some very cool snakes. Um, stepping outside of the box tonight uh, with more Morelia, etc. cetera. Uh, I would say that if you guys uh, are are digging these et cetera shows, um, you know, uh, let us know and uh, we'll keep going with them. Um, I have fun because I get to learn uh, about things because, the, you know, the more and more I research these shows, I was saying before we started, Owen, that uh, the more I realized that I don't have a clue when it comes to different species out there. You know, I feel pretty confident with carpets but um, and Morelia, but, you know, when you start getting into, like, a whole new, uh, what would you call it, genre, section, I don't know. Yeah, snakes, I, it's like, what? Chapter, I don't know. Whatever you and it's funny because you and I kind of have been on this tolerable like ping pong for the past couple of weeks because it kind of started before we even went to nerd. Um, yeah. Like I sent you the picture of like the Baron's racer. And yeah, I love it. Whenever I send you an animal that I'm like, I love these things. The first thing, and if you don't know what it is, it's, your responses are either I do too, or what the hell is that? And when it's a what the hell is that, it means I, you know, you and I can bounce stuff off each other because it means you have no idea what the hell I'm talking about, which is awesome. Right. You know, um, right. and and we were talking before the show, it's like we were at Nerd and Matt's like up against the glass of every single retic there. And you and I are like, retics are cool. And then they pulled out the uh, the, the cave-dwelling rat snake and you were like, this is the greatest animal in this place. And it's like that. <laughs> what? It's like that. That to be that was what knocked our socks off is, you know, that just screams to you know how stupid we are. But um, it's just because sometimes you got to get into those weird, off the cuff kind of things. And just by looking at some of the colubrid stuff, I know you and I were talking about, uh, you know, uh, rat snakes. We we're talking about beauties. Um, we were kind of bouncing around the barons. Um, and then I went and picked up a pair of pine snakes. Uh, this weekend at White Plains because of the talk of Collier Bridge and all this other jazz. So, you know, sometimes you need the weird et cetera stuff. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's, I guess it's like, uh, I think that learning other things sort of gives you, um, maybe a better foundation of what you already do know, maybe will make you think outside the box and uh, who knows, maybe you'll enjoy keeping those, uh, those other animals. But um, mm-hmm. I don't know. Whenever, whenever, you know, you go through these phases and I definitely have what's called Noah's Ark syndrome where I want a pair of everything. Um, right. And, yeah. uh, you know, with space constraints and all that, it's hard to do. But um, I don't know. It's, it's it's one of those things where there's so many cool species uh, out there. And, like, I don't know. They they seem like they don't get uh, – you, you, the other crazy thing about colubrids is the price. You know, like, no, yeah. when you compare it to, like, no, yeah. what pythons are, it's like, what? <laughs> you know, like, holy shit, that's it? All right. 
I was like, Jesus Christ, I can have this for like, you know, and that's what the funny thing is, is that, you know, I'm looking at all these more carpet pythons and other type pythons that I want. And it's like a lot of the ones, either they're morphed and they demand a price tag or they're just weird and they demand a different price tag. So it's like Timor's, you're looking at about $1,000 for a pair. Uh, you know, I know that I'm going to get a million emails from people saying, I got mine for 750 Congratulations. You found the deal. So <laughs> that, that's what it is. So you're looking close to $1,000. Pair right. of colubrids, depending on the colubrid morph or the type, 100 bucks. It's like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> like, that is, that's awesome. You know, and that's, and to be honest, this is, colubrids is where I started king snakes and bull snakes and pine snakes and rat snakes. And of course, when I got kind of kicked off with the Python thing, you have, you were constrained by spaces and your room, what it was at that point. But now I got a big room now. I got all new cages. I got all new racks. I can start kind right. of getting back to what I originally was doing and kind of fell in love with when you started your reptile industries. And that was, you know, uh, I'm desperate for a pair of lab cow kings because those were my first snakes. And I will find them, I swear to God. Um, uh, that was the one thing you and I yeah, were You, you had we, them we, forever, right? We saw them. I did. Yeah. I had those, – those are the ones, dude. Those are the snakes I was breeding in my dorm room for extra credit <laughs> at a repro class in college. Right. Like, wow. I hatched out a clutch at there. I had – those were – at college, all I had were freaking king snakes. And then I got a carpet python for my birthday. And and then that started all that crap. So um, I always had king snakes, and it's weird when I sit down and I'm like, there's not a single one in this room. So uh, <laughs> it would be one of those things I'd like to get back to. So you know, it, it, it it's kind of cool. I like it, and I always suggest colubrids is a good beginner snake uh, for some people, uh, and then kind of work your way into pythons. I know people immediately jump to, you know, it's a great beginner snake, a red tail boa. Or reticulated python. And I'm like, that. wait, whoa. You know, I agree with one of those, but you, you kind of went left there. So it's, I, I, I always say good starters, corns, kinks, milks, pines, bulls. They're going to be fine. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't know. It's, uh, it, it, uh, I was hanging out with my dad for a bit today, and um, I was showing him <laughs> some of the uh, – some of the snakes of the different species and stuff um, kept a lot of venomous, but his thing, and this was kind of the norm back then was that you basically kept species, you know, it never was about breeding or anything like that. You know, and I remember my dad, like every time he would get a new species, it was like, you know, the most exciting thing, like, Hey, Eric, come here and check this out, you know, and you go down and you'd be <laughs> like, what the hell is that? <laughs> you know? And, That's a, this is a rhinoceros viper. Kiss it. What? It's like, you know, you're yeah, partially, yeah. Your dad, partially, you know, your dad was part of that, like, this is really interesting because it's new and it's not like a new morph. It's a new freaking species that is now being kept. Yeah. And that's what's, I mean, he was part of the whole, like, oh my God, the first living crested gecko has been born. And it's like, What? <laughs> That was that that yeah. was a major thing apparently. And now they're, they're yeah. like, you know, if eight thousand are born in the month of May, I think it's a low number. So and 
like you see, you said you sold numerous times where it was like ball pythons, according to him, were supposed to be the hard stuff that never bred. Yeah, he, uh, you know, and back then it was, uh, you know, I, real quick, a real quick story. I, I, mm. I don't know if I ever told this or not, but what's crazy is I remember going, there was a pet shop that was on Rising Sun Avenue. It was called Pets and Things. And I really wanted a ball <laughs> python. And did you ever hear that place? I, uh, it's one of those, because you got to remember, I was near Martin's Aquarium in uh, outside yeah. of Philly. So, yeah, I so think Rising well, this was Sun down in Philly. and Martin's, like, I think they traded animals all the time. And we know where they, they all went yeah. to Hamburg at some point. Yeah, same places. So. <laughs> I didn't even realize that there was a Hamburg at that point. But anyway... They uh, they they moved to a bigger spot at one point, but at the very beginning they had like this smaller store, and um, they my dad goes and I really really wanted a ball python. I just you know after seeing it in this one little pet shop all around the corner from me, um, I I just thought it was the coolest thing and nobody had it, nobody worked with it, so it was like one of those like oh my god you know that that's so cool and it stays so small. You know, at the time, I had a Burmese python at home, and it was like, man, this thing's huge, and this tiny thing, it's like a python in a tiny package. Anyway, um, mm-hmm. I ended up going to this to this uh, pet shop, and they had this big, huge crate. I mean, it had to be like maybe nine by nine. It was humongous, and it had all these ball pythons in it. So I'm thinking back, and then like, I bet you there was like pastels and fires and yellow bellies and you know, because there was, like, all these crazy-looking ones. Well, there was this one that was, like, gold, uh, whereas the other ones were more, like, brown. And these were adults, and I'm yeah. sure they were wild-caught and whatnot. But my dad's telling me, no, you got to get this one. I'm like, no, Dad, I want the gold one. And he's like, no, no, I'm telling you, you want this one. Well, it turns out that two ball pythons were rolled up into one ball. <laughs> so I got two snakes for the price of one. And when I got home, I'm like, I opened it up. And then two snakes are there. And I'm like, whoa, what the hell? You know, like freaking out because I got two snakes. Your dad's like, next, oh, time, God. next time you listen to me. It's like, you know, next time yeah. you don't, you just nod. God damn it. Yeah. Uh, but, man, what That's a different, awesome. like, it's weird, like, if you would know what you know now back then, you know what I mean? It's just crazy. But I don't know. The more well, I research these, go ahead. I mean, if you know, if you know, if you knew now, like if back then or whatever, you open that crate away from the public and you pick out the pretty ones and you make sure you don't have two <laughs> wrapped up into one. I mean, yeah, yeah nobody, that, that stuff is done behind closed doors. Yeah, nobody I cared know, about that now. You know, and that's how everything started. I mean, and, and that's what the funny thing is: is like there, there, nobody cared about ball pythons, but ring pythons were twenty bucks a piece. It's like that's yeah, that's what's freaky. Like if you could just. Ah, I mean, people always talk about how if they had held on to their monkey-tailed skinks, now they'd be able to retire because everybody yeah, had, yeah. like, a colony at one point. Oh, which leads right. me to the next thing. Mike Curtin is a crazy person. Um, quick little side note, he got bit on the back of the head by one of his monkey tails. And oh, my God. He's like, look at it. It, like, wounded me. And I'm like, what is wrong with you? And he's, like, pointing to, like, what is this giant like stab thing on the back of his head and he was overjoyed that it like gnawed on him. So Mike Curtin is a crazy person, but I love him. So <laughs> that was my that was my white plane story. So okay. yeah. um 
I was going to say that, um, you know, when you start to research um, other parts of the uh, reptile community and other snakes and species and stuff, it, the, the only thing that I would say is that it makes me realize how fragmented our community is, you know, the reptile community oh, yeah. as a whole. And, um, yeah. you know, it's just like if I don't know a whole lot about colubrids, then there must be people out there that don't know what carpet pythons are. You know what I mean? So it's kind of like yeah, it makes it difficult to fight on, uh, you know, on a level to where we're united when, I don't know, it just seems so, uh, I can't think of any other word but fragmented, you know. Um, uh, I would agree that it seems massively fragmented because you're exactly correct. The fact that I don't know all the different types of this, or I don't know how this would react or how to keep that, or if this is good. It makes us fragmented. And it also makes it so that a lot of times I don't know if something is wrong. Like if I go over to somebody's house and they have, you know, this, that, or the other thing, and let's say monitors and they're keeping it in a 50 gallon tank on like carpet, like that, like eco carpet or whatever the hell. If I wasn't uh-huh. exposed to some of the things I was exposed to, I wouldn't know that's a problem. Or or they're keeping it right. on, like, sand. I wouldn't know that's going to be – I wouldn't know that's an issue. Or would be something right. wrong. So you can't really call anybody out on it. You can't really police the hobby because, you know, I'll be able to call out somebody on poor care of a carpet python. I can't call anybody out on anything else. That's all I got. So – yeah, I mean, like I said at the beginning of the show, uh, you know, for me personally, I'm trying to push myself to learn more about different things, and yeah. you know, hopefully, when we come when we do these shows, uh, people people dig them and people like them, and we can continue to do them. Um, I mean, I guess we're going to do whatever we want to do anyway, but I'm just hoping that Yo, people will really get things yet. out of it. <laughs> <laughs> They'll get things out of it because I really enjoy like researching and learning new things and really pushing myself out of out of the comfort zone um yeah. you know the reptile report did i don't know if you saw that ryan's on the on the line we're going to get him on here in a minute but there was just a couple yeah. other things that i wanted to hit on before we go um i don't know if you saw that video that i shared over on the uh Morelia python I page did. i um, did watch it but yeah. Uh, yeah it has all the winners from the reptile report um we were know, supposed the, to the do reptile, something weren't we well we were supposed to be one of those videos that they put up, but Oops. you know the name got mentioned, <laughs> which is cool. Yeah, and I finally got the picture with the uh, <laughs> yeah with the animal with the trophy, so uh, that's pretty yeah. cool. Um, Chuck that albino but, zebra uh, thing or other. <laughs> yeah, if uh, if you haven't checked out the video, go over to uh, the Facebook page and you can check it out. But um, I don't know. And then another cool thing that I heard them mention at the end of the video was they're going to be doing a reptile hall of fame. Uh, and I'm assuming that's oh, going to be annually, sweet. and it's going to be at October's Tinley Park NARBC show. So another oh, thing to make God. the NARBC show <laughs> at Tinley even cooler um, is uh, this Hall of Fame thing. So that should be pretty awesome. Um, I, I, got I demand that things. they make, like, busts out of, like, bronze for everybody who's inducted, like, your head <laughs> or something like that. That would be, yeah, do that. Yeah. Um, I wanted to mention, uh, you know, it's crazy. We're talking about retics, but um, yesterday I stopped at Matt Minitola's house, and uh, Mm -hmm. we probably have a bunch of new listeners, Matt Minitola from Philly Herb. Anyway, he had a clutch of retics. Dude, 
I never realized how many retics are in a clutch of retics. You know, like I've they heard have the number. I know they're big clutches. <laughs> I know that. I understand that. But like, I'm a I'm a visual guy. Like, I'm a hands-on guy. That's how I learn. You have to um, like. So it's exactly right. Like I explained to you how cool olive pythons are. You don't believe me until I throw one in your hands. So yeah. It, yeah. Exactly. That's just course. how I am. Yeah. Um. Anyway, he opens the tub, and this was like a 41 quart tub, and he opens the tub. Yeah. And you know, he shows me this. He's like, "These are some females." He closes the tub, opens another tub. He's like, "These are some males." And I'm like, "Okay." And this is like a lot of carpet. I mean, a lot of retics. He closes it and he goes, "Oh, carpet. this is another tub. <laughs> this is another tub of females." He closes it. I'm like, "Wait, hey, man, that's a lot." Multiple, oh, hold on. There are multiple another... tubs of girls. <laughs> yeah, multiple tubs of girls and multiple tubs of boys. What? And I, I joke jokingly, I said to him, "I said, dude, do you realize?" In that one clutch, you had more babies than I had in the entire season. <laughs> entire season, entire year. Like, yeah, holy yeah. shit! And those are just the retic babies. He still has chondro babies and blood babies. Matt's gonna be up to his oh, ears in yeah. babies. Yeah. Yeah. Well, wow. If you're, into if you're out there and you're into retics, uh, there's uh, you know I've seen these hands hands on. So there's definitely some lookers in this clutch for sure. He hit on a bunch of world first and. Uh, you know, uh, just really, really cool looking, uh, cool looking retics for sure. So I'm sure he'll be selling them soon. He'll be on the lookout uh, for sure. Um, the only last thing I want to hit on before we get Ryan on is the booster shirt. You can hit up the details for that. Okay. Uh, the booster, sh- the booster shirt is launched. It's live, and we kind of had this trial run where uh, uh, a gentleman from Australia wanted to purchase the shirt. And Booster has told me that they are now shipping out of the country for a like 10 bucks extra. And I had him go through and he ordered his shirt and it was fine. It, it will be shipped out to him in Australia uh, once the Booster closes. So you won't have to worry about that dumb delay where it has to be shipped to me ah. and then I have to ship it to you. It's going to go direct from Booster to wherever you are. So if you are in the UK, because I know I've shipped shirts there, if you're in Australia, you can get yourself a Northeast Carpet Fest shirt. This is a fifth anniversary shirt. You're going to want this shirt. And I swear to God, if anybody asks me to reopen the booster, I'm going to publicly be like, just, oh, lose my mind. You have plenty of time. <laughs> Go over to the site, order the shirt, have it shipped to you. Done. End of story. So, uh, we have uh, a we have, we have a goal of fifty shirts to sell, and we have already sold twenty three, and I think we've only been open for a week, so we're already That's almost awesome. halfway there, and we've already raised over a hundred and fifty dollars for US Arc. I would love it if it was more. So twenty bucks a shirt. Go over there, get yourself a really cool shirt. Um, Hopefully they will be delivered before Carpet Fest, uh, the Northeast. Uh, the booster is scheduled to close before Carpet Fest, so some people will have their shirts probably. Others, especially if you're traveling, probably won't get it until after Carpet Fest, but you'll still have it, and it's still awesome. So go over, get the shirt. 100% of the proceeds will go to U.S. Arc. The fact that more Australian people are buying the shirts than you guys are in the United States is kind of sad. So, you know, they don't have to deal with U.S. Arc. They're in Australia. So go buy shirts. 
Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> get it to a good cause, and you get a shirt. I mean, it's a friggin' no-brainer, you know? So. Yeah, come on. All right, let's get this party started, Owen. Let's get schooled on some colubrids. Let's get Ryan on here and uh, get this going so you can kick it off and bring it in. Ryan, welcome to Morelia Python Radio. You're on the air. Sweet. Hey, guys. How's it going, man? And we're surviving. (laughs) But let's let's get schooled up on some colubrids. Colubrids, exactly, because like like you heard earlier, I like king snakes, and that's pretty much my entire extent of colubrids. And Eric is, I think he has a pair of OPT corn snakes. And that's, again, that's it. So that Those are the best corns there are, too, man. I got, I got to tell you, the OPTs are awesome. Oh, man. <laughs> I, I love them, man. They're just, you know. Oh, dude, and you know what's funny is, like, you'll look at corn snakes, and, like, you'll see how, like, all these morphs, there'll be, like, stuff that's, like, three, four, five genes. Well, maybe not five, but... Uh-huh. You'll have these corns that are all these morphs, and their prices always go down, but, like, kick-ass Okatees always sell, and everybody wants those, even people that aren't even really into corn snakes. And yeah. that's just beautiful. It just shows exactly. how cool they are. Me that. Yeah. You know the, I, you I know don't even know what that, morph uh, corn snakes I have. You know the uh, the cool thing about them, about the Okatees and just – I don't even know why I didn't. Again, this is just the things that I don't notice until I had them. But the freaking bellies, man, with the checkered belly and the way that looks. And, oh, man, it's just this, like, white, black. It looks like piano keys. I, I don't know, man. It's just, I get so excited oh, about stupid, stupid oak and corn snakes, but I get jazzed up man, about them, man. I'm telling you, man, and, like, people just, like, you know, with jungles and coastals and IJs and all that, you know, these colubrid breeders are – you know, just breeding the best Okatees and the best uh, best Okatees, and you're getting thicker black borders and more orange and uh, red in the saddles, that's and cool. they're just getting better and better and better. It's just, that's cool. It's really cool to see it. So it's actually kind of funny that uh, Owen mentioned the king snakes because back, you know, a couple of years did. ago when I was looking at uh, rogue reptiles, like I was looking <laughs> at the collection, and I mean, I'm looking at all the all the cool coastals and then some of the jungles and, you know, the other stuff he has. And then I see like a lavender albino cow king and then a striped cow oh. king. I was like, oh, all right. That's... <laughs> uh, I, I miss those too. He, he, oh. he had the token king snakes. I did. I did. I had the token Cali king. I thought I was such a badass with my lavender albino Cali king. Like it was the top morph in the world at 150 bucks a piece. So, you know, now, <laughs> but I want those back. Something awful. But anyway, let's talk about yeah. our colubrids. But why don't you tell us uh, what got you first into snakes? Well, it, it, it sort of like a lot of people, I would say, is like, uh, you know, I was into dinosaurs when I was, you know, probably four or five years old, realized that obviously that's not going to happen. And then uh, <laughs> in third grade, I was eight, I was eight years old. And my uh, my teacher, Miss Isaac, had a corn snake, and I just thought that was the this coolest thing I've ever seen. And I just kept bugging her about it. She finally was like, "Well, hey, you want to help me take care of it?" And I was like, "Well, absolutely." So I started uh, helping her out with that, and um, then I started bugging my mom. I think every day for a snake, and she's like, "No, no, no, no." And it took me about a year, and then finally, uh, the the year FS was like 1989. I was nine. Show me get a leopard gecko. 
And I took care of that. <laughs> and then after about two years of owning that, she saw how well I was taking care of it. She let me get more lizards, but still no snakes. And I bought a you know a couple green basilisk, and then I had a, a Pac-Man frog. Finally, when I was 11, she decided I could. She was like, "Okay, you can have snakes, but nothing over seven foot." And which is hilarious about this is because I always hear Eric talk about it. My favorite snake ever is Burmese python. And that's <laughs> what I used to have nice. back in the day. Like, I actually went backwards. This is what's going to be funny later on as we get into this. I went mm-hmm. backwards with snake keeping. But, you know, and I could not understand why, you know, I finally get mom to say I can have snakes. But she's like, no berms. And I'm like, damn it, that's what I really want. You know, 11-year-old, yeah, that's a great idea. Let's get some berms. Uh so uh, my first my first snake I got was a Florida king snake, and then I got a uh, a yellow rat snake that I caught at our uh, old hunting camp. So those were my first two, and then she saw I was doing good with those. She was like, okay, you know, you can you can get more if you want. You're taking good care of them. So I went to the I'm from Florida originally, and uh, I went to the Orlando show back then before it was Daytona, mm-hmm. and I got uh, my first. Because I never do things in ones. You'll see a pattern here as we go on. Okay. So I, she's like, you can have more snakes. So I bought three. And I oh. bought a boa, a Queensland carpet python with air quotation, uh, oh. and a, a ball python. So those were my uh, my first three, you know, python and then boa. And then it eventually, in 94, you know, a couple years later, I finally was able to get some Burmese. She didn't really know about that at first. I kind of snuck them in, <laughs> and uh, I got I got I got one from BHB. She actually lived till I was 31. She lived 17 years, and then I had a I got a couple from Eugene Bissett back then. So uh, that's pretty much how it started. I got in uh, one thing that happened when my mom's originally from Maryland, so we'd go up there mm-hmm. during the summer. Well, my grandma had a, an old store and there was this girl that used to come in there and she's like, Oh, your grandson likes snakes. Well, I used to date a guy that had, uh, had some snakes. You want to go beat him or, you know, your grandson go over there, hang out. I think I was 12 or 13 then. Mm. Of course I want to go. Well, this dude ended up being Peter call and he ended up living <laughs> like right around the corner from me, you know? So when I'm going to this guy's house, I thought it was going to be the typical setups that I've seen. You know, a guy has like a handful of berms and big wooden cages mm-hmm maybe a few corns or something. And I go over there and I go down in his basement. Still didn't, you know, I didn't know Pete. And, uh, we walk down there and I'm like, Holy shit. Like, cause I'd never seen anything like it. And yeah. He had boas and he had berms and he had retics and chondros and he, he had all this stuff. And there was just tons of them in there. And I had never seen an albino boa before in my life. Cause he was just starting to make them. And I thought it was a berm. I was a kid but he, I saw the original albino male and I saw the babies and I was like, Whoa, this is, this is awesome. This dude breeds snakes for a living. And, uh, actually, you know, a few years after that, we moved to Maryland and I ended up working for Pete on and off through high school. And that's where I ended up meeting Ted Thompson and all that good stuff. Nice. Yeah. Very nice. It's uh, it's cool that you mentioned Ted. I mean, he's, uh, threw me a ton of collier bridge and, and some of my first carpet pythons at Hamburg. So definitely very cool. Um, can you tell us what kind of species that you have 
worked with? I, I know you mentioned uh, carpet python, boa, berms. Um, is there anything else you want to kind of throw out there with what stuff you have worked with or are currently working yeah. with? Well, what, I, what I've worked with mainly in the past before, I, I always had like a handful of colubrids, but most of it was boas and pythons. But I've had boas, bloods, borneos, uh, berms. I had retics for a short time. They didn't stay long. Um, hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Man, uh, we're no like thing. kindred spirits, man. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's like the same thing. I had a. I had spotted pythons for a while, Womas. Uh, yep, yeah. God, what else? Uh, shit, man, ton, tons of... Just Everything. Anything you can think of. I mean, carpets, I still have a handful of carpets. Um, now, I have like a handful of jungles. I got one random IJ. I have a couple tigers. Uh few ball pythons, python royales sitting around. I don't breed those hmm. anymore. I just kind of have uh, some old girls as pets. And colubrid-wise, I have corn snakes, Florida kings, eastern kings, cow kings. I have a pair of splendida, which are the, you know, the uh, desert kings. Mm-hmm. Hondurans, gray band kings, Zanata, California, Jeez. which are the California mountains. Yeah, I got Arizona uh, Mountain Kings, which are Pyros, uh, Terra Humera Mountain Kings, which are in a block eye. What else? I'm actually looking around in my room, never mind. I have 360. <laughs> so I'm like, I'm like, I'm looking around like, what all do I have here? Um, you know, I have yeah, my Eastern Kings. Yeah. That's awesome. The, uh, rat, rat snake wise, I have, I have a few random black rats. I have a pair of the old licorice or the white sided black rat. Then I have the blue beauties. Yeah. Taiwan beauties, Mandarin rat snakes, the cocci, Latisinctus, and I, uh, I recently got some Climacophora, which are the uh, Japanese rats, and mine are the Kunishir Island locale. And cool. uh, what, what else? Oh, and then I have the, the pair of albino southern pine. Oh, I, I just picked up a pair of northern pines, and they're, they hate me, and I love it. So <laughs> Yeah, man, they're awesome. <laughs> they're pissy little things and I can't get over them but what led to the focus on colubrids well to be honest is uh you know I'm, I'm really good friends with Julie and uh she okay. she's friends with a guy named Bill Babcock and she got uh a handful of colubrids from Bill and she asked me she okay. goes hey do you, you know I got like 20 25 colubrids you have any interested in, in breeding them like, oh, yeah, sure. You know, because I've always had, like, you know, a handful of Florida Kings and Hunter and stuff because I was more in the mm-hmm. Gensula Kings, the bigger stuff. So I was like, yeah, you know, I've always done pretty well breeding the Gensula Kings. The, why not? And I like the yeah. snakes, so, yeah. And uh, what ended up happening is, is, is I be, as I became friends with Bill, you know, he just liked how I was taking care of the animals, and he just started sending me more and more snakes. And uh, before I know it, I end up having like 90% colubrid collection. So that's kind of how I got turned. I'm like, because I consider myself a snake guy. I mean, I like all snakes. Yeah. I'm pretty much cool with whatever. But that's how I kind of, that's what really kind of pushed me over the, to where I basically became a colubrid guy. 
because it just he just started sending me all these animals, and then I was like, okay, cool, and I started buying more stuff I like because it fit with the husbandry. So, you know, before you know it, I had, like, over 200 colubrids in my house. It's, it's one of those moments that you pause and you're like, wow, there are 200 of these things in here. So, Oh, yeah, and it, and it definitely smells different than a room full of python. <laughs> it smells a lot different. <laughs> that, that's, that's the other thing. How often do you have to work? Because my 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 colubrids crap all the damn time. So, I mean, oh, constantly. I, constantly. I got a big cleaning? shop back. Okay. <laughs> yeah, dude, I, I got a big shop back, and I just go through there and – I'll come in here and I'll start looking around in tubs. I already know which ones are really. I always go to the Hondurans first because they're, <laughs> they're just shit machines. So I'll just pull open their tubs and I'll suck it out. And um, you know, if it's re- if it's re- if they really trash the tub, then you know I'll, I'll do the whole whole nine, clean it up and everything. But usually I just go through and shop back it because anybody that has like keeps their animals on loose bedding, especially Aspen, that stuff is just a magnet for the carpet. It doesn't mm-hmm. matter what you're doing. Like, you'll look down, and you'll just have aspen all over the place. And that just drives me nuts, so I, I use this shop back. That's what I say. If anybody that's, like, that really is thinking about having a lot of colubrids, you better really love snakes because you're going to be doing a lot of cleaning if you have, like, tons of them because they like to shit their water bowls. And it's surely, you know, spot cleaning because they crap so much, high metabolism. So you better right. really love snakes if you if you get you know more than a few I don't know two dozen or something. <laughs> yeah, that that is more than a few. But, yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, what speaking of what size collection are you working with? I assume it's more than a few. Yeah, I have I have three hundred six snakes. <laughs> and that that's that's not including hatchlings or babies, right? That's 300 keepers. Yeah, yeah. The, the youngest stuff I have is yearlings. Um, Jesus. Right now, I think I have 130 eggs in the incubator, and then there's uh, there's going to be lots more. And we also have wow. uh, my other half. She's into leopard geckos because I've done a lot of trades oh. with Jamie Carnes when Jamie had a lot of leopard geckos still, so we got like 40 <laughs> of those. And then we, uh, and then she, she liked bearded dragons, and I was like, I'm not getting bearded dragons. No beard. Like, oh, no. I'll take care of my like. Look, can have, I, she's cool with all this, which is rare. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Right. I was like, okay. I was like, you can have bearded dragons. I am not take care of those things. Period. And she got them. Takes awesome care of them. Fantastic. And then we have a. We also have a random leopard tortoise. And that's <laughs> why we have a snake wise. So reptile wise. Reptile wise. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's where Jamie got. Oh, oh yeah, forgot, yeah. I got a chondro and an Amazon tree boa too. Forgot, <laughs> forgot those. <laughs> tree dwellers, it's okay. They don't move that much. So, oh man, and she, she's space eater. That's awesome. Um, so the big question, I guess it's good because you just kind of went and said that you have all this stuff. Is uh, the big question we get a lot of our listeners do keep mainly pythons and boas and things like that. And they want to know if it would be difficult to keep colubrids in the same room as pythons and boas. No, not at all. I mean, like the uh, especially like North American stuff. I mean, mm-hmm. Asian rats. Like we'll, we'll we can get into that. Um, but like the the North American and the South American like milks and all that. Like that's not an issue. Okay. But, you know. 
like with me, when I had mostly pythons and boas and I only had a handful of colubrids, I would just take them out in the garage and brewmate them. But now right. that most of my collection is colubrids, you know, because the jungles and the coastal and stuff, they're in the same room with the, most of the colubrids. Um, and I, you know, everything does fine in here. But I would just take out the colubrids when the time to brewmate them. Now I'm sitting here looking and I'm like, okay, now i got a handful of carpets and other pythons. Am I going to wheel all these colubrids into my garage? So <laughs> it might be easier to figure out the logistics of that. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I mean, for the most part, man, I mean, it, it's fine. The uh, the Asian rats, like my mandarins, my cocci, kind of have a, a, a separate dining room, a nook, whatever you'd call that. It's off to okay. the side of the kitchen. And I put my cocci and the latticinctus and the uh, and the mandarins out there. Okay. You know, my snake room, it, it fluctuates. Like, I'll let it get up to 84 or so during the day, and then I'll drop uh-huh. down to 78 at night, and I just don't want those snakes getting into the 80s. Okay. That's just... Yeah, I did hear the cocci like it. I, I did hear the cocci like it cooler. I mean, and yeah. that's that's kind of what I've always heard. So I guess keeping cocci in the same room as pythons is asking for trouble. Yeah, I mean, because they, they, I mean, I think you could you could maybe do it. It just depends on your setup. But my mm-hmm. room, since I don't have like a lot of my colubrids aren't on heat, and my room state, you know, it, like I said, it fluctuates. The highest I'll let it get is 84 during the peak of the day, and then it'll drop down to 78. But I just, at those temps, at, like, the peak of the day, even if I put them, like, at the bottom of the rack, I just don't want to worry about that. Like, I just, I like, my mandarins, I would kill that. Like, getting that high up, right. they would die. Right. So, what are you keeping everything in? Uh, racks, cages, both? Kind yeah. Of a mix between uh, just about just about everything's in racks. I keep uh, the beauty snakes in uh, four by two by two cages. Well, my my big blue beauties anyway, and then uh, the carpets. Uh, if they're smaller carpets, they're in racks, and then I'll move them up to a you know a cage, you know for just four by two by fifteen or uh, whatever the T tens are, and uh, for the most part everything's in racks besides just a handful of stuff. Okay. Very cool. Cool. um, I guess what size, um, you know, for like um, your biggest colubrids, what's the biggest they're in? 41 quarts or? Yeah. No, uh, well, I keep the, uh, my black milk snakes and the Hondurans and stuff like that. I try to keep them in 41 quarts or CB70. And then, uh, you know, unless I have like a, like one of my Eastern Kings is really big. He's he's really, uh, old Adisto male, you know, I mean, he's over five foot. He's in a CB70. Um, but I keep my biggest blue beauties. I have two really big ones and they're in four by two by two cages. Now, uh-huh. like, like those big beauty snakes, I mean, you could keep them in a huge cage if, if you want it. But I, you know, just because of what I have, I keep them in the four by two by two. I have those, uh, those Boa Master cages because I know he's a, he probably does Hamburg and stuff. I don't remember that mm-hmm. guy's yeah. name, but the Boa Master guy. So, yeah, so I got these wooden cages that say Boa Master on them, and they keep colubrids in them. So, hmm. that's what those are in. <laughs> nice. 
That's cool. All right, so nice. let's get into um, let's talk about milk snakes and king snakes. Um, okay. Uh, my personal favorite, well, I, there's so many. I mean, I like Therai, Pyros. Um, I, looking through some of the stuff you have, like those, uh, you know, uh, what was it, the uh, Hypo Florida Kings? <laughs> oh, <know>. yeah. Man, <laughs> the killer, killer stuff. Oh, man, those, um, those are awesome, yeah. Well, the, so, uh, I guess, I'll start with the Hondurans. The, uh, yeah. most people's favorites is, you know, the albino tangerine. And, uh, basically like what I'll say about the Honduran morse is it's kind of like, uh, I don't really know how many people that are listening will know much about corn snakes, but like, you know, like the creamsicle corn, you know, mm-hmm. that has emery rat in it. Now it's, been bred to corn snake, you know, so much that they don't look like an emery anymore. They just look like a bigger corn. Same thing with okay. uh, ultramel that has gray rat in it. Well, some of these Honduran morphs, like the anries, you know, everything I've read and talked to some people about it, you know, the original anry have steward eye blood in them, which is, you know, hmm. another milk snake. It's in that family, but it's not a Honduran. Right. And then... But it's been bred, you know, consistently to Hondurans. You know, they they don't look any different, but they still have that smidgen. It's like Jag, you know, you keep breeding Jag in the jungle. I mean, it's still going to have a little bit of coastal in it no matter what you do. So right. that's the same thing with the albino uh, Hondurans. They got a, you know, the original one. I know people say it wasn't or whatever, but there, it was Polyzona, which was central. I can't ever say the common name. It's like Central Atlantic, blah, blah, milk. And uh, right. that was where the first albino mm-hmm. was. And, you know, BHB and, and Louis Porus and I think a German guy had that stuff. And then, you know, they just bred it into the to the Hondurans. And, like, my albino tangerine Hondurans, I mean, they don't look like anything else. Cause, I mean, they've been bred to Honduran for God knows how long. So that's where you see that. And, and most people, I mean, they don't care. I mean, they're awesome red and white snakes. So, right. But if... Just know that, like, they have, like, a smidge of... They're going to have some polyzona, polyzona blood in them because of the path. Mm-hmm. But, um, like, the original Hypo Honduran, you know, Bill Love found that in a pet store in Miami, and it was a... Uh, uh, it was labeled a coral snake. You know, <laughs> really? I think this was in the... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and he was like, oh, that's not a coral snake. And he... You know, and I think there was another one in there. I can't remember exactly, but I think there was two. And then they're breeding it. Because back in the day, they used to call them, like, super tangerine, Hondurans, and all that different stuff. Like, Steve Osborne had them, and the Loves, and, you know. But that, right. they thought the original one was a, was a coral snake, the shop owner, anyway. But, uh, okay. The, the Florida Kings, like, I don't have tons and tons of morphs of these guys. Like, I mean, people right. like, uh. Scott McFarlane and George Sierra and Zinni Felician, like those guys, and Ricky, asshole, Ricky, <laughs> they uh, <laughs> they have tons more Florida King morphs than I do, but like some of this stuff they're doing Florida King, you know, I I just can't believe it. I mean, like that, that hypo that you like, Eric, that one that's like solid yellow looking, you know, he's yeah. just freaking awesome, man, and like you'll see hypos that have, you know, just all different kinds of colors in them. And it's just, it's amazing. And they're just line, what they're doing is they're just line breeding nice stuff 
you know, you, you can get really nice high yellow Florida Kings, nice red ones, and then people are breeding them into the, you know, the hypo stuff, and then they're breeding it into the Anri or the Exantic stuff, and they're just getting cooler and cooler stuff. And it's, it's just really cool, right. man. Like, you know, like when you see what people are doing with carpet pythons, like how Morelia people put so, well, most put so much mm-hmm. thought into their breedings. It's cool to see it with basic stuff like colubrids. You know, it, it's like I'm going to take this animal and this animal. You know, like my like my hypos, that hypo there quite so much. Like I'm only breeding him to this female. Like if she right. doesn't breed him, that's it. I, I'm not I'm not breeding yeah. him with anything else. I have I have multiple males I could put with that female, and they would love to go with her. But if that male doesn't breed her, then there's no clutch this year from those. And because that's the, I just want more of him. And there, uh, like yeah, the guy Michael right. Brawley, he has the bone. You should see the bone white hypos, Eric. He really like those. Yeah. Oh, and wow. I, I can't. Yeah, some Florida King morphs really hard to explain. Like, I don't want to explain how the T negative works because I'll just I'll screw that all up. You'd have to talk to like Scott McFarlane or somebody about how that works. But uh, other than that, like I don't have tons of morph. Um, I'm more into natural natural stuff, but I do like some morphs. Uh, but I have you know, a handful of corn snake morphs, and then uh, calcing-wise, the only morphs I have of those are like some really nice high whites I got from Ted. But I mainly have a uh, low-cal uh, calcing. Okay. So, that's awesome. I, like, yeah. like with the, you talk about the Hondurans, I, I prefer just the straight uh, you yeah, know, orange and black. Like I don't like the whole. You know, there's like vanishing pattern. I think I remember we were in Hamburg yeah. and I, there was a guy next to us and I was just like drooling over these <laughs> tangerine milk snakes and just going crazy and you know like all these different milk snakes that he had on the table and you know he's trying to push these force on me and I'm like no man I just like that one he's like oh that's just a normal I'm like that's freaking cool so, but. Uh, we- uh, I don't yeah, know. to be honest with that, Eric, it's kind of like a, it, most people that are really, really into carpet pythons, like they tend mm-hmm. to like the same stuff. Even It doesn't matter the, the genre or whatever. I mean, like carpet people, they usually talk to me about colubrids. They either like Asian rat snakes or they like contrasty colubrids, like black and white right. calkings, orange and gray, blair uh, space gray bands, the Hondurans, just the straight red and black. It's just the contrast thing, and I think it's just the way, you know, what appeals. Right, that's, sure. That's what people like. Yeah. It's yeah. like a jungle. Those are my favorite colors. Just straight-up tangerine Hondurans. <laughs> yeah, that's what I like, that's what I like the most that I have. It's funny because Eric discovers these animals after I've already had them for three years and then gotten rid of them. He goes, man, tangerines are awesome. Like, I had three of them. Where the hell were you when I had three of them? So it's like, yeah, yeah. It's, it's funny when he rediscovers these things. So Yeah. Well, so, I mean, you get, you get uh, like, because I heard y'all talking a little bit before I came on, uh, you know, about the, the, the different facets of the hobby, you know, because, like, everybody's into their own thing. And yeah. I think you get so engrossed in – what your side of the hobby is doing because it's easy. I mean, there's only so much time in the day. Oh, yeah. and like when you're really, really, I mean, all of us like all snakes. I mean, to one degree or another, 
but we all have that driving force of what really just turns our, you know, what just spins our wheels on what we like. Right. Yeah. That's, you know, it's easy to not realize what's going on. You know, like, I mean, I have a few ball pythons and I used to breed those, but you know, like I have buddies like Swatky will still, you know, he'll mess me every now and then. Hey, would, do you know anybody has this stuff for But I'm so removed from that world, thank God, that uh, I don't know what stuff goes for, who has what or whatever, because I don't pay attention to it. Mm-hmm. Right. I just I just totally, you know, so I can try to somewhat stay focused, because I have a problem with that anyway. But I want to try to stay focused on what I'm doing, and if I have, like, a million pages that have different stuff, then I'll be like, oh, what's this doing, what's this doing, this, what's this doing? So I try to stay locked in on what I'm doing. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's good advice. <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah, you know, the more and more that I that I go through this, the more and more I worry about less and less what people are doing and more what just what I like and what I want to do. And I think that it probably would be better if more people just follow that, you know, that mindset. You know, people would be happier and there would be a lot more cool snakes out there for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, I know this is going to be a basic question, but I'm just going to assume that uh, for our, uh, mostly our listeners are Python people, when they hear milk snake and kink snake, is there a difference? I mean, I mean, if you ask me, they're the same. I mean, they're all lamprocalpus anyway. But, you know, the whole milk snake thing, that was that wives' tale of, you know, these snakes attach themselves to the udders of cows and, you know, drink their milk. I'd love to see some, uh, you know, Gentilis or red milks do that. That'd be that'd be a sight to see. But uh, kind of funny. You know, <laughs> I mean, they're they're king snakes. I mean, mm-hmm. in okay. my opinion, I'm sure there's some taxonomist that might happen to randomly. But like, no, they're not. But that's really <laughs> yeah. We don't pay attention to them anyway. <laughs> yeah. No, we don't listen yeah. to those guys. We've got enough. Well, yeah, because like you know, I, I listened to Rob Stone's Rhino Rat thing again the other day, and when he was talking about the scientific name of that. Well, that was only like, and they already changed the scientific name of the rhino rat. Yeah. I mean, right. That's... Constant battle. Yeah, he was telling me he disagreed <laughs> with that. He was uh, not a yeah. fan of that. <laughs> yeah. Nope. I had a feeling um, they were going to do it just because of the green, you know, the red-tailed green rat and all blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's. I mean, we go through that with car. I mean, look, they just moved. Uh, you know, well, I guess it's a. I don't know if it's official yet or not, but it seems that everybody sort of, you know, jumped on it. Like, uh, you know, scrubs were moved out of Moralia. You know, it's only a matter of time, I think, before chondros and rough scales are moved out of Moralia. You know, but I mean, Moralia right. people, I think, knew that for for the longest time. Clearly, you can see that. You know, that. They're their own thing, but I guess because they have prehensile tails and, you know, they're semi-arboreal, then, you know, they just lump them into one big group. Um, so, yeah, yeah I, I can see I, why they changed that. I mean, uh, the the last time I worked for Pete, um, you know, he had a bunch of bolins, which was awful. Right. Like, I'd never seen a bolin yeah. live on in my life. And then I, he's showing me the, the shop because he had, you know, because I worked for him on and off in high school, so there was, you know, a two-year gap in uh, where Pete moved his business from his basement 
out to his building behind his house. So he was showing me the right. shop, and, you know, I was going to take care of the boas. And uh, we go to the last door on the left, and he had all these Boland's pythons in there. And, you know, some, some of them were huge. And I didn't know they got that big. And I was like, holy shit, man. I was like, is that a Boland's python? He's like, yep. <laughs> I was like, dude, these are the coolest that's things awesome. I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> uh, but I can see why. Yeah, that's my favorite. Uh, I love those, dude. But um, I can see why they moved those out of Morelli as well. Yeah. Yeah. You know, nobody kind of fought it. It was just kind of like, you know, it's only a matter of It kind of right? fits. Yeah. yeah. Like, all um, of a sudden, this all makes tons of sense now. So, when it comes to, um, you know, Kings and Milks, uh, is their husbandry pretty much all the same? You know, what, is the, what are the basic requirements, uh, you know, to keep them happy? Yeah, I mean, for the most part, like, I keep uh, just about all of them on Aspen. Uh, okay. You know, my, my Hondurans, Easterns, and Florida Kings, you know, they actually have a hot spot, and I keep that around, I don't know, 87 Eighty-eight degrees, um, you know, and I'm but I'm feeding these snakes a lot too. I mean, you can keep them at room temp. Uh, I like to keep them with, uh, I mean, not room temp, but like you know, someone that keeps the room around eighty, eighty-two degrees. I mean, most colubrids will do fine at that, but I just keep my some of my species on with hot spots. Uh, but then okay. there's other ones like the gray bands, the pyros, the zanata, the uh, the, the block eye, you know, they don't have hot spots. So what it is in the room is their temperature. And you don't want to get Zanata real hot anyway because that can kill them. So they're all at okay. the bottom. They're in the main snake room, but they're at the bottom of the rack so they don't get too hot. Okay. But, yeah, but all the most of these other ones are just standard uh, uh, just standard colubrid care, which is, you know, just keep them, you can keep them at, you know, 80 80 degrees, 82 degrees, just straight temps, and, you know, most of them will do fine. Wow. Jeez. That's, uh, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty cool. Um, Makes everything I was, better. I mean, colubrids are tough as nails, man. I mean, you just, I mean, like when I brewmate my snakes, I mean, everybody gets brewmated. Everybody. The only ones that don't get brewmated in their first year are Hondurans and uh, Florida Kings. I brewmate everything else. Why is that? I just want them to eat. Oh, oh. Well, my Hondurans, when I breed those, I don't let them get that cold anyway. You know, I only take them down to like 55, 60, and, you know, they'll still have their hot spot turned on, and it's around 80 degrees still. And I think think with Hondurans, it's, it's my personal opinion, and I think a lot of people agree with me, is, you know, just make sure that you black the light out. You know, like I'll, I'll put usually like a contractor black trash bag or whatever over their rack, and so okay. the only light that might peek in is when I check on them, you know, while they're brewmating. But I don't, they don't get brewmated real hard like the other stuff. Those in in my Florida Kings, I usually don't, I usually don't let them go below fifty five, fifty four. But every just about everything else in here, you know, it it might get thirty eight degrees out in the garage. In Wow. They're going to deal with it. <laughs> I just, That's crazy. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, it, at the same time, you know. 
Well, I mean, I'm I'm really big. Like I, you know, I I call it Spartan Law. You know, I want I want my snakes to be tough and used to it. You know, because they're uh-huh. it's going to happen to them anyway. You yeah, know, I don't want to sure. raise a gray band without being brumated for like three, four years, and then just all of a sudden, boom, throw it out there and it's like forty degrees. Yeah, it would not. It'll be, be well. it'll be no. okay, but, but I want to throw them out shock. there. Also, since I have so many colubrids, it's nice to have the throw uh-huh. break too. Not bad, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, hey, so, I mean, that helps. If I'm only yet. feeding a handful of Hondurans and Florida Kings or whatever, um, that that's a lot different than feeding all this other stuff. Yeah. But that's not so, the main reason why I do it. I'm just saying it's nice. So when, I mean, this again, this may sound like basic questions, but when, when you're putting them down and you say you're covering the one, uh, you know, the, the one couple species um oh, no, are you no, doing no. any kind of light yeah, cycle? I messed up on that one i i black them all out okay like the racks will be the racks will be in the garage because they're on wheels and what i normally do okay. is uh you know let them empty out because i I, right. I put my stuff down november 1st and okay i'll stop feeding them uh usually like between october 7th and october 10th I give them a good, you know, three weeks to clean out completely, which anybody has colubrids, then take them long to clean out. But you still want to totally make sure. Um, then I take them out there November 1st. Um, I plug in some of the racks, like the Hondurans and the Florida Kings. But uh, I take those black contractor trash bags, and I cover all the racks. So they go from whatever the lights are on in the room and the temperatures in the room, they go right uh-huh. down to whatever it is out there. Like one shot. Okay. I know some people will gradually drop it or whatever. I don't. I just throw them right out there. It might be 80 degrees wow. in here. The next day, it might be 55 degrees out in the garage. Okay. Wow. So let me ask you this. I got two questions off of that. Um, does it matter what's going on with the outside temps? Uh, as, I mean, you're saying you're going down in November 1st, and, I, again, I'm speaking from just my experience with breeding pythons. You'll hear a lot of people say that they kind of wait to sort of gauge the outside temps, and I would think that with use, with North American species, you would use that to your advantage. Does that matter or not matter? Uh, I mean, from where I'm putting them, you know, it, it usually starts to get a little cold around then, and it doesn't really start dropping until later. So I okay. guess kind of in a way me putting them out there in November – Maybe it does give them a slight adjustment before it gets real cold. But, um, gotcha. you know, because okay. I block out the windows, too, from the light coming in the garage. So, I mean, it's totally dark in there. But I just, there then, I mean, it, usually it's in the 50s outside by then. And my right. my garage is pretty somewhat close to what it is. Like, if it's 50 degrees outside, it might be 60 in the garage. But, right. um you know, as of three months, usually December and uh, January, it gets real, real cold in there. Right. Really? So, yeah. so, here would be my other question. So, they don't heat up at all during the day, as opposed to, like, they're just cold and it is whatever it is, right? Yeah. Now, in the wild, okay. I mean, it, it's right. different. I mean, like, I've, you'll have snakes come out and it'll be 50s or lower. And the yeah. snake will come out and try to get that sun coming in through the tree line or, you know, try to find that rock or crawl out. And, you know, they'll try to warm up. 
some of them. Right. I mean, it happens, especially, like, I would say states like Texas and Arkansas where we just have crazy weird weather and seasons bounce all over the place. Um, you know, but generally, like, at least with my captive snakes, I mean, right. shut down. But, but I will say with the Hondurans, when you get down to, like, 55 right. for them and they're getting kind of cold, you know, they have that hot spot in the cage, you know, a lot of times they will go lay on that. Okay. Hmm. So, oh, so you do you do have a hot spot in the cage when it's getting down? It's just for, the ambient temp that's going down. What uh, for the for the Hondurans? I do. Okay. okay. I do that. I do that with the Hondurans because I don't want them to get like super freaking cold. I mean, I, right. I, maybe they could take it. I don't know. I don't want to chance it because, um, you know, it gets down in the forties, thirties. I mean, I, I don't. I'm not taking. I'm pretty sure Hondurans <laughs> don't get that cold. So I don't. I don't. Right, right. I'm not that ballsy. I mean, I'm, I'm just about everything else, uh, but not, right. not the Hondurans. I won't. In the Florida Kings, and I just don't like them getting that cold. Yeah. Right. Okay. All right. Awesome. Um, Jeez. Let's see. Uh, let's see. What else? What about, like, okay, so when, you know, Basically, you put them down, brumation, you're saying it's about three months, you bring them up, and, and, and then what happens? You're putting the guys together, or do you, do you wait, do you feed them? How, how does that work? Well, first thing I do is I, you know, when it's time for them to get up, you know, I, I remove all the, the covers over the rack, and I start wheeling them back in. And mm-hmm. okay. I wheel them in, usually my room is, because I, you know, still have pythons to breed, so I bring them in. I'm not, you know, it's 1st of February. I'm just about to start bumping pipe, the, the ambience in the room back up. So usually when I bring them in, it just happens to work out good for me. Is I'll bring them in, it's like 75 in here. So that gives uh-huh. them time to like, okay, their body starts getting going again. And uh, usually I'll, I'll wait. Like I, I don't write it down, but it's usually like a handful of days, maybe a week. I'll let them warm up, and then I feed them a small meal like, a lot smaller than they normally get. Like, you know, one of my Hondurans, that would get, like, a small rat or, you know, jumbo huge breeder mouse. I would feed it, like, a a weaned or a, you know, pre, you know, almost like a tweener, something like that. Right. Yeah. And okay. get their get their digestive system cranking again. Because as soon as, as soon as they're full balls to the wall, like, colubrids, everything right. happens so quick, you know, because I'm pounding them with food, especially the females. And like, right. I mean, I'm feeding them, you know, usually twice a week, and I'm just I'm just pounding them because you got a small window. And normally, the the colubrid recipe for breeding is, you know, they have their post brumation shed. It doesn't always mm-hmm. work like clockwork, but usually they have their post brumation shed, and that's when you start pairing stuff up. And most of the time, they're ready to go. Now, some of my snakes. You know, they might need two or three shit before they're ready. And because the, the female will fight the male off, she's not ready. Most of the time the males are ready to go. But you might have a female that takes her two or three sheds to get ready. Or sometimes it doesn't happen that often, at least in my collection, but I've had some that come out of brumation. You're like, damn it, why haven't you shed yet? Because it'll be like a really long time because they usually go in to shed quick, mostly. Mm-hmm. Right. But, right. you know... Some of these won't shed for a while, and I'm like, man, well, the mail's ready, and I'll toss them in there. So, but you normally look for sheds, but 
you don't they don't always have to shed. You don't always have to do that. Because sometimes they may take a really long time and not be receptive. How but usually it's all about the shed. Have you ever run into issues putting king snakes together where they've attempted to make a meal out of each other? Yeah, it's happened, I think, three times this year. And one of it oh was pretty funny. God. Like, I have a few of, uh, like, Julie and I are really good buddies, and I got, yeah. I, I brought all her gray bands uh, home with me when the, when I went out there in July. And one of her gray bands, like, because gray bands are, you know, they're not really, not because, like, not all king snakes are real super aggressive snake eaters from what I've seen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it's yeah. mainly the Getula kings that are, you know, hardcore snake eaters, like Florida kings, speckled kings. Uh, you know, cow kings are real bad about that. Um, uh-huh. But gray bands usually aren't. And, well, anyway, I took Julie's one female, and I put it in with this male, and, I, you know, I shut the tub. Usually I don't, I'm not worried about gray bands. I go to walk over to the other part of the room, and I hear, you know, da 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 in the tub, and I'm like, what, <laughs> what the hell? And I pull open the tub, and she, <laughs> she grabbed the male by the head and oh, had him wrapped God. around, like, I guess, to what would be his chest. And I was like, oh, that's that's handy. And I just pulled him out, and, you know, it's like, uh, you know, untangling Christmas lights. And I just kind of uh, shook him a little bit. I mean, I'm sure you pour Listerine on whatever or water to get him to let go, but, like, I just kind of shook him a little bit, and she let go of him. Yeah. And then yeah. I pulled her off, and then she grabbed me and wrapped her on my hand. I was like, dude. Oh, uh, you <laughs> Come on. Yeah, I was like, what, what are you doing, man? And uh, oh, that's it. another thing. We'll, we'll talk about that some more, too, Eric, about King Snake. Uh, but so... Uh, she's bred since then, but, you know, she did that once, and I had one of my Florida Kings. They grabbed each other, and they're both, you know, over four foot, and that was that was a mess. I almost I thought I was going to have to drown drown the male to let go of her because they'll, they'll bite. The, yeah. the male will, will grasp onto the females when they breed, but, yeah. you know, it, it's definitely different when they're breeding them, if that makes yeah, sense. I mean, it's like they'll, 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 they'll grasp onto the female, and right. they'll breed them, but like the the food right. thing, like you, you'll know the difference. Anybody that, oh yeah, I'm seriously like, uh, if anybody goes out and gets a pair of king snakes and they're a python guy, and you go to breed them and you see it, like you'll definitely know the difference between them trying to breed <laughs> and them, you know, and them trying to kill so, each other. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I feed them really good, and mm-hmm. so I I don't really have those issues. But I mean, it's it's happened a few times, but I've never had a snake eat another one. Yeah, you're lucky. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, so, I had a friend yeah, lose was... a pair of cow kings that way, where female uh, ate the male, and then went to throw up the male and died. So it, uh, it definitely can happen. So yeah, that, the, uh, that, that would be the, that would stock me. When would I was researching, <laughs> when I was researching the show, um, mm-hmm. you know, and I was looking stuff up. One of the and it was one of the questions that I had, but uh, you kind of hit on it, but. One of the pics that I saw was this male milk snake grabbing the head of the female while they were breeding, and I was like, what yeah. the hell? Is that normal? <laughs> I wish I could find it, but um, I guess, yeah, you're saying that that's the normal thing to do. Well, that's good to know because, I mean, you don't see that with pythons. So, you know, I guess I would imagine that no, when didn't. you have somebody that's just doing it for the first time, you're getting the questions like roll off all the, you know, what's happening? I, I tell you what, the first time, uh, like if anybody in here, uh, I mean, I don't really have any experience yet breeding Asian rats. You know, I, I bred the Conrad. Mm-hmm. 
but um, that's going to be more next year where mandarins and the beauty snakes and stuff. Um, so most of my experience is, you know, the, the milks and the king. But what I'll tell you is people that have never bred cluebirds before, they go to uh, – the first time they go to toss in two king snakes together or, or even two corn snakes, they're going to see what happens, and they're going to be like, holy shit. I mean, freaking out because they just they just breed so much different. I mean, it's it's balls to the wall. I mean, they're going to go in yeah. there, they're going to be chasing each other around, and then you know, like when the male, when she, it's kind of hard to explain. Like you'll you'll see like when you breed them, it's it's a lot different, and everything happens really quick too. Like they'll breed. A lot of times, it only takes one. You know, I usually breed them two or three times just to make sure. A lot of times I leave my Hondurans together for, you know, two, three, four days. But uh, a lot of times it doesn't take more than one pairing. I mean, I like to do it more. But uh, usually, man, like, they'll breed, and then you'll you'll see that she's gravid, and then she'll shed. And then with, in a week to two weeks, mine are usually a week to ten days, you got eggs. I mean, wow, it's super fast. Yeah, you breed, like, oh. from someone just breeding pythons, you start breeding colubrids, you're going to be like, what the hell? <laughs> I mean, it, 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 seriously. And, it, and it's, wow. it's like clockwork. I mean, I mean, going from, since I went backwards and bred pythons and boas and other stuff first, mm-hmm. you know, when I started breeding colubrids, I was like, wow, this is super freaking easy, man. Um <laughs> I mean, it is. You're just like, wow, this is... Bam! God, this go. I was done. Yeah. Yeah, it's great. I mean, you breed, you need to breed your pythons, and then, you know, she has her pre-op shed, and then she ovulates, and then she has her post-op shed, and then you're waiting, you know, 27, 30 days, whatever, for her to weigh, and then sometimes they'll throw you off. Like, I don't know if you guys have ever mm. had this happen to you with a python, but... All the one. damn time. <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, like, what a... I had one, it was a couple years ago, she she had a pre-op shed, she ovulated, then she shed, yeah. you know, her post-op shed, but then she went into shed again, and I was like, what the hell? I've never seen that before. And I was, she shed four days before she laid, so she shed twice before she laid, after she ovulated. Really? Because I was wow. second-guessing myself, I was like what the hell? Because, like, I, I asked Dale Huffman about it. I asked Ted about it. I was like, have you ever had a snake do this? Yeah. And uh, and Ted was like, no, I've never had that happen. And then that year, he had one of his do that later on. And uh, and then Dale told me, I think he had one do it before. So, well, just when you think you know, you got it down to a science, I'll throw you for a loop. <laughs> Isn't that the yeah. truth, man? Yeah. That is the truth. Um. Okay, so what, what about, I mean, what about the, the eggs and all? I know I've seen people, most of them keep them in their python room, just at room temperature. Is that basically hmm. your approach? or? Uh, I did it that way last year, and, right. it, and it did okay. fine. Um, you know, and, and the temperatures fluctuated in there. I think with colubrids, I think a lot of snakes in general, it doesn't you know, a little bit of fluctuation really doesn't make that big of a deal. I tend to think a lot of us over overdo it with our incubator mm-hmm. and stuff like that, which, look, I understand. Because, I mean, nobody wants – you don't want to lose your baby pythons and stuff. I mean, I get it. But since I've started breeding colubrids, it's really taught me to loosen up on certain things. Now, granted, I, I, my jungle clutch went in that in that incubator, and they were at 87.5. So before, 
before I get too into that, but uh, right last year I did it at room temps, didn't have any issues. This year I have another incubator where I have the colubrids in there, and it's uh, it stays between 82 and 81 degrees. And okay. so I'm doing it in an incubator this year with a colubrid. You do it hmm. just uh, in vermiculite, or mm-hmm. uh, what's your setup as far? Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, what I do is I don't, you know, I know a lot of people weigh, weigh vermiculite and water and do all that other stuff. And what I do yeah. is I just take a bucket, I pour a bunch of vermiculite in it, and I just add water, and then I stir it up until I get the feel that I like. And then right. I start just making tubs. And I do that with pythons, too. Because I have people tell right. me, they're like, oh, well, you're not going to do that with your pythons. I'm like, yeah, I do. <laughs> I do it with the pythons and the and the. You do it all the time, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I think especially after after you've bred snakes for a while and you've made the mix, you know what it's going to feel like. Like you, right. just, you can just do, you can almost do it blindfolded, really. After you've done it a few times, you can just mix it around. You're like, okay, that feels, yep, that's it, and then you're good to go. And then I just put them on that. Um, one thing I'm trying this year because I've seen a lot of Kluber guys do it is, um, I've added some sphagnum moss and just dampened it and put it around the eggs or whatever. I, that's more just seeing, trying it. But right. I'm going to see how that works. But mostly just vermiculite, and I don't even measure it or anything. Is the uh, cool. the, the moss be, because of um, just the humidity inside the tub? Is that the idea? or? Yeah, yeah, I think uh, I think that's why those guys do it. I mean, that that's new to me. I just saw it, and I was like, oh, I wonder... Wonder how that works, so I tried it. I just want to give it a try. Like I always want to try new things. Like I feed my snakes a lot of odd stuff as well. You know, like I'll go down the Oriental Market and get frog legs sometimes, and be amazed how many snakes will eat frog legs. Oh my God! Really? Like <laughs> that's uh, awesome. well, well, yeah. Now the question. Now the question is: After you feed them frog legs, how bad is cleanup? Because Everybody avoids feeding birds and stuff because of what comes out the back end. How is it with frog yeah. legs and stuff? Yeah, I probably don't really notice it because, like, I I feed I feed birds too, and uh, I'm telling yeah. you, with that shop back, I just open the tub and I mean, sometimes it's real bad, but uh, it's not horrible, but it's it's definitely worse than rodents. All right. It, uh, yes. I wouldn't. I wouldn't recommend it as like a staple diet or anything. I just tried it. I was like, oh, I wonder if they eat these, and <laughs> they did. I actually had a few of my carpet pythons eat them too. That was that was weird. I was just you know, <laughs> I was feeding stuff. I thawed it out, and I was like, I wonder if this jungle will eat this frog leg. And I, I pulled open the tub and I held it there and it smelled it for a minute. Like what the hell is this? And then it, it grabbed it and it ate it. Wow. Well, whatever. Do you find do you find that um, um, they're they're any healthier for the varied varied diet, or what's your thoughts there? Yeah, I don't know. Like I know that um, as much as I feed my animals, you know, like feeding the adults twice a week at least. I slow it down. Like after when I'm not going to be breeding them anymore, getting eggs and doing all that because I don't really double clutch uh, most of my snakes. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the Hondurans, I'll double-clutch some of them if they bounce back. Some of my females are real big, and they just bounce back really well, especially because I get my Honduran eggs pretty early compared to what a lot of guys do. Um, 
you know, I'll, I'll slow it down. But they, I've noticed that my snakes, as much as I feed them, they're not fat. If that makes sense, like they're they have like really nice muscular tone, but they're not like right. super obese. Mm-hmm. Like you see, you see those posts where people have, or you'll see somebody walking around with like a this king snake that's just like it looks like a Woma almost, and you're like, oh yeah, how much are you feeding that snake? Cause and that's the funny just, thing. They're I, like, hey man, my cow king eats like medium rats. I'm like, what the hell have you done to it? Did it cut to that? Size is, yeah. Well, yeah, that'll do. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, um, I don't feed, like, tons of rats. I will say that. Like, out mm-hmm. of the diet that I feed them, I feed them mice, chicks, quail, you know, the random frog leg, um, uh, ASFs. You know, we have a fair amount of ball python buddies around here, and they have ASFs. So they'll, you know, they'll get, because usually not a lot of their snakes, because they don't want them to get hooked on them. And, uh, right. They'll gas off tons of them, and I'll be like, "Oh yeah, I'll take as many as you want to give me." <laughs> yeah. I think it's yeah. carpet too. <laughs> yeah, free rat python. Well, they man. Oh yeah, man. yeah they do. <laughs> yeah, I've had Aurelia a crack, that... man. Dude, I mean, I'm telling you, like, I've had a uh, <laughs> mousers that didn't want to eat anything yeah. else, and then like I, I uh, offer ASF, they eat those. I mean, not every time. I had one IJ that was just, oh, my God. This snake would only want to eat mice. Like, I could not convert that snake. But uh, so a lot of them, though, I've been able to convert to the carpet they assess if they're a mouser. Okay. I, I, I might be cool. trying that with uh, my albino and uh, my cousin's ball python. He's having some issues. But uh, I'll get there with the AS. Alphicans yeah, off first, so man, those Darwin—they um, just—it's yeah. so annoying. Okay. <laughs> I don't yeah, know why. like how the babies, the babies, <laughs> like everybody I've talked to with the Darwins, man, the live hoppers. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Just, they, yeah. like yep. they don't want like rat pinks, other stuff, even if it's frozen thawed, whatever. I mean, they want a live hoppers, mm-hmm. and like you yeah, throw them in there and they just hammer them. Oh yeah, even the yep. crosses. Even the Darwin crosses, like, you know, albino stuff, you know, albino morphs and stuff, same thing. I don't even mess around with anything. Just give it hoppers, go for it, call it a day. You know, eventually they'll switch over. But something about, I guess, that little jumpy hopper that gets them. (laughs) You know what, Eric? i got to say this real quick, too, is – you know, when I went to Julie's last year, that was the first time I ever went to someone's house that had, like, a almost exclusive Morelia collection. And, yeah. Uh, uh-huh. I think she has a granite jag that you produced a while ago. I think it was from you. But, like, that, if that was, if you made that, that was one, that's one of the coolest carbon pythons I've ever seen. She has, oh, really? a jag het, she has a jag het granite that was Eric's that became mine that I sent to Julie. So she has that. So and that was that bounced between the two of us. Um, but she really has some crazy granite stuff. And then of course she has the roughies. And yeah, that, that was something I was gonna because I was gonna try to stay on the Calibra topic. But the, oh yeah, we have to go that the, way. The, yeah. the, the rough scales. <laughs> I gotta say it's about the rough scales because you know I got listen yeah. to the show and I always hear Owen talk about rough scales. And then Julie would always <laughs> talk about rough scales, and I would always think yeah. about. It, I was like, what's the big deal, man? I mean. I didn't think much of them because you know, I'd only seen pictures. Well, then I went yeah. to her house, 
and she handed yeah. me one, and I was like, this is yeah. the coolest freaking snake I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> and, I mean, man, I was hooked. Like, I want those so bad. They yeah. are just absolutely killer. And I'm glad to see yeah. that they're, at least the one she has, and I guess the general consensus with them, they're pretty chill. They don't care. From what I've seen and what I've heard, and thank yep. God, because the, the teeth. That would hurt. Like, I do not want to get oh. bit by a rough scale. God, that yeah. would hurt. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, back to Collierbridge. So, yeah. So now we've taken a break <laughs> on the roughies. We go back to Collierbridge. Yeah. Um, where are we, Eric? I've well, we've kind of track in the. Well, I wanted him to talk. Uh, maybe you can talk a little bit about some of the uh, King Snake and Milk Snake projects you got going on. Maybe talk up, uh, you know, some projects yeah. that you're really excited about um, this season. Yeah. And uh, I want to make sure before Owen takes over that we hit on those F2 Polk County, Florida corns. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah, I have the. Um, you know, it's kind of a tie between Florida's and Eastern Kings, but. Uh, my Eastern Kings, and everything I have, I'm most excited for those because what I have is I have an, that old wild-caught, originally wild-caught, a Disto Island male from in South Carolina. I have him, and then I have this female that's from Orangeburg, South Carolina, which is only about 50 miles from a Disto. So these animals came from Ted, and what happened is he bred these snakes years ago, you know, and... and most people don't cross localities, and Ted wasn't going to cross them because, I mean, that's just, you usually don't do that with Eastern King. But mm-hmm. he put them together. Both these snakes are banded. You wouldn't think anything of it. Well, that clutch, he got animals that were that had stripes in them. And he was like, what the hell? Uh, so, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so what he, what he sent me this year is I got that Orangeburg female. Um, she's the one I just posted the other uh, the other day, two days ago. You know, she just banded regular, you know, South Carolina-looking Eastern King. And so the male, you know, you would not think that anything would pop out like that. Well, then he sent me the two daughters, too, that have varying degrees of stripe on them. Well, I bred the male to both his daughters and that same female again. So I have clutches from all three of those. And even though I'm not really into, like, not totally like, huge in the morphs, but those are cool, and they're Eastern Kings. So I'm kind of waiting to see, like, you know, what happens with this. Because, I mean, he, he pops out okay. stripes every year. Like, you'll see T- Ted's always – he always has striped Eastern King. But it's just – it's weird how that stuff popped out like that. So I'm really uh, really excited wow. for those. Um, a few more Eastern King locales I want to get. But the – the Hondurans, really looking forward to those. So far, i got 28 Honduran eggs in the incubator. Probably produced, nice. I don't know, over 100 Hondurans this year. Always like hatching out the albino tangerines and the, the different hypos. And then, uh, you know, I should have at least one clutch of just tangerine to tangerine. So that'll be cool. That's and then there's cool. a bunch of gray bands. I actually have a, I have a pair of gray bands here that are Blair Stays that they have. Uh, stripes on their necks. The male has a stripe that's, I don't know, it's like two or three inches long, and I bred him to a female, and she has, like, her stripe's like five inches long on her, five or six. Well, I have, I think, ten, what Jason Nelson calls the long-botched 
gray bands where they have mm-hmm. different varying degrees of stripes. I've posted them on Merle, et cetera, and a lot of people like those. Um, they're really cool. So what I'm hoping this year is just by what I've seen from breeding snakes is I bred that, that stripe to that stripe, and I want to see how big of a stripe I can get on a gray band. Because, like, I think it would be super cool. cool to have, like, a gray band that has almost a complete stripe on it. And, uh... Yeah, you're talking my language now. <laughs> Straight yeah. Oh, yeah. It would just beat the... It kind of defeat uh, the name, yeah. gray band, if it was a gray stripe. But, you know... Oh, man, man. Whatever. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that's why I've been trying to avoid, uh... Like, trying to stay out on the Kalubras. That's why I didn't talk about tiger carpets or anything. Because that... Yeah... I could, I could talk about those forever, but um, court wool. Everybody loves that, but that's yeah, cool. Anything, would... anything striped. Of course, yeah, so yeah, yeah. If you can get Don't a gray band to be striped, why not? That'd be awesome. Oh man, you know, uh, I don't know if you have them, but uh, got to go off subject real quick. But today I was again going around looking at different bluebirds <laughs> and stuff. But the uh, tessera corns. Holy shit. Yeah, he sent me pictures of those. Yeah. Yeah, I, oh, man, yeah, I they're have pretty one, cool. Yeah, that's that's one of my favorites. I have a um an Henry Dilute uh to Sarah, which a lot of people just call that blue. Okay. You'll see that like you'll you'll be looking it up like they'll call it a blue motley corn or something, but that's an Henry Dilute motley. But they have like a bluish gray look to them. But I have that in a Tessera that I'm growing up. She's one of my favorite snakes. Then I have an adult Tessera that's a friend of mine's snake, and I was trying to breed it to my salmon snow motley, which is this crazy, like, pink and purplish-looking corn snake. But, um, you know, he's two years old, but, like, he, all the females he bred, they were laying a lot of duds. And so, Crap. And she didn't lay, and I didn't want to pair him anymore. I'm just going to wait till next right. year. He'll be three. See how that goes, because I just, you know, I knew it wasn't all these females that generally lay good clutches. So, mm-hmm. That kind of sucks because I was hoping to get a Tessera that was, you know, Tesseras that were hit for four things. That'd be fun. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> Start piling on them more. Yeah. yeah. That is yeah cool. There's actually, yeah. Um, I think it's hard to tell, but there's super Tesseras. I don't think there's been a, a ton made or that a ton of people know about or, you know, that they know that it is a super because I think it looks so similar that they've had a hard time knowing if it's a super Tessera unless they bred it out. Okay. So, like, I know that if you if you could get a super terra male, you know, I mean, that would just be awesome because you just make all terras. That'd be sweet. Oh heck yeah! (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Cool. So, all right. So so far, you're talking my language. Uh, Great bands. uh, (laughs) You know, uh, you got uh, tangerine (laughs) stripes. All right, I'm, I'm digging it. So, what about these uh, <laughs> the uh, F2 uh, Polk County corns? What's the story with those? Yeah. Okay. The 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 pair that I got, um, I bought them from my buddy uh, Jeff, who's a local guy. He originally got okay. those from uh, George Sierra, and George is a colorbred guy, and he's down in Polk County, Florida, and I think he originally he caught the parents, and then he produced. These two that I have, these are, what are these, 2012. And I got these from my buddy Jeff. And I bred them this year, and I'm really, really, I mean, she's she's gravid. She's going to lay a clutch, but I'm really looking forward to these. Because That's awesome. the, the female, 
I don't want to say she's like Okatee looking, but she's kind of Okatee-ish looking. She's got the base okay. orange and then the darker orange on top. Her black borders, they're not like Okatee, but they're real, real thin. Like you can see the black around the saddles. So she's really cool. And then I have the male who's like this chili pepper red color. Like I was telling you about that, Eric. It's like I don't know what he is. I mean, he just right. Yeah, I mean, my buddy asked me if he had locale because locale colubrids. I mean, I'm always up for those. He asked me if I wanted right. them. I went and I, I saw him, and I was like, "Yeah, cool, man. I'll get him." And you know, the male definitely looks nothing like the female, and his belly is like fire engine red. It's it's oh, weird. Wow. I don't know what he is. I don't know what he is because these were just these are from two wild caught corn snakes. But I just bred them wow. together because they're cool and they're het for nothing. And um, <laughs> is that yeah, so I'm looking forward to with, uh, uh, a lot of looking forward to hatching those out. That would be cool. Yeah, that's a, that's the thing about colubrids. Like you'll see that the people that are really into it, you know, they want the uh-huh. quality stuff, or you know, or if they're a morph person, you know, they're real, you know, hardcore in the morphs. But the locality people, you know, that's just as hardcore, if not more, actually. And then you have basic, you know, people just want a cow king or something. But if if you have locality colubrids, I mean, people just, I mean, they'll basically kick down your door for those things. Really? Oh yeah. yeah. I mean, like I have a, I have cow kings from Catalina Island, and they're naturally a little bit smaller than the the, your cow king. I mean, no, I wouldn't necessarily call them a dwarf. But they stay smaller. Um, but they have okay. like real thin pinstripe white markings on them, and uh, they're just cool. super cool. And I have 1.5 of those, so I can't wait to breed those down the road. But I have those, and then my other cow kings are from there, uh, and it's uh, a Guanga, which is like Riverside, Cali area, kind of around where David Hastings from. Um, okay. And those things are just kick ass. Like cow king wise, like the. Two of the main cow kings you're gonna see that people really want are always looking for. You got they call them grease kings, but it's a cow king, but they're okay. like super black and just crazy looking. You know, Aaron Byer has those, and a few other people have those killer looking. And then the scissor, the scissor crossing animals. They have re- that. That's actually what both of you guys would want because they don't all have oh, really? this, but some of them have these really thick white stripes on their back. And they're oh, like a cool. dark chocolate brown color when they're adults, and they are just absolutely killer. Oh wow! Like that that yeah. Anybody that likes stripes, yeah. The the scissor crossing <laughs> are uh, that's yeah. what everybody wants, man. I just shared uh, not to backtrack, but I sh- I went to your page and I was looking at your Facebook and I shared some of the pictures of the pairings that you were talking about and. Uh, those uh, stripy cow or stripy uh, gray bands, dude. Yeah. What the hell? They're awesome. Yeah, those are cool. <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit! Oh man. Oh, and I, and I got to tell you that male, that male's yeah. color, like Julie, Julie, um, her one Blair's cut she put on Merle etc. last year. But he's like, oh man, those are awesome. She bred that male to um, another Blair's female that I have here, so what I'm thinking is not only will I get striped animals, but they're going to have that super awesome intense orange that the male has. Yeah. So that is, oh, Damn, man. that's a nice that looking cool. animal. You wow. know, I've noticed that a lot of, a lot of Morelia people really like, you know, the Blair's gray band. Like they really like that. Like Chris okay. Hoff, that's like his favorite thing in the world. We, it's not black and yellow. 
We like color contrast. <laughs> That's really all yeah. we like is just the contrast between colors. So, you know, if you if you really dig jungles, gray bands have to be your like second favorite snake out there. So. Oh yeah, yeah. The, yeah. I mean, the funny Trevor. thing is, is like I was like I have an IJ now, and she's mm-hmm. awesome. But like I never liked IJs until I went to Julie's house. Like I never, I mean, I, I thought IJs were cool and all, but like I never had any desire to get them. And then I went over there and I was like, oh my god! Yeah, but oh yeah, she's running around with Julie's running around with pool boy and all that other IJ oh, goodness that yeah, so. the, the, the granite she has. Uh, holy yes. crap, man! Yeah. She has one rack that I think like no person, well now they will, but <laughs> feel like one rack with all these granite she held back. And, like, those things are oh, so yeah. kick-ass. Yeah. Yeah, like, we, we, we bend down the road from her at Tinley. And it's usually, like, I'm, like, peering sideways to see the chondros and the uh, granites and all that fun stuff. So, oh, yeah, we we, we are aware. So. Um, well, man, I saw those chondros that she hatched out. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it was last year, the ones that are so red that they're black-looking. Yeah. Oh my God, man! I don't know what those things are going to look like as adults, but I imagine they're going to be ridiculous. I, just, I want them. I don't care what they look like yeah. as adults. I oh mean, my man, God! <laughs> if only if only I had success with IJs, I would buy a ton of stuff from her. But I, there's no point for me buying more IJs if I can't get the two that I freaking have for free. <laughs> so yeah, it's a waste of money. Yeah. Anyway, um, yeah. Eric and I <laughs> when when Eric and I went to Nerd, uh, we got to check out some uh, blue and Taiwan beauty snakes. Can you kind of tell us a little bit about yours and what it's like working with them? Oh, yeah. That, those things are, man, they're just like the coolest snake I have. I think they're they're so intelligent and active and just beautiful because you, got, you have these snakes that are like, so you have three snakes in one because their tail looks different and then like they'll have saddles on their back and then they have stripe on the tail and then they're just multiple different colors and they just they're just fantastic and the the taiwans like i have a pair of those you know they get they get pretty beefy like i'd say they're the heaviest body out of the beauty snakes and then i have my blue beauties which my two males are enormous like my one male that i call the kraken he's just over 10 foot and then I have another one named Hans that I originally got from Germany. He's like eight and a half foot or something. And these, these beauty snakes seem to be like, they're like rat snake racer crosses. I mean, they're yeah. not really, but they, they act like it because like they're fast as lightning and they just, they act, they're a rat snake, but they act really racer ish. And it's, uh, just run around. You know, even some like they're, yeah, like the Ridley eyes, they, you know, they call them the, you know, the cave going rat snake or cave going racer. You know, so a lot of them are, they have a lot of similarities, and they're really, really fast. Like that, the heat, my real big one, I mean, he, I opened his cage once just to try to spot clean it, and since those Boa Masters, you know, it opens yeah. up, the whole front opens up. Well, I don't know if people know how quick a 10-foot snake can move, but he shot out of the cage and was all the way to the other side of my reptile room before I even blink. I mean, he was just Jeez. gone. Wow. They uh, uh like with mine like my bigger blue beauties that are in in cages like you know they uh I have a big hide box in there that has sphagnum moss mm-hmm. and I just kind of stick the the nozzle in there and mist inside there 
uh, then I, I have br- uh, branches in there. Like I don't see mine don't ever uh, like perch like a uh, like a carpet or a conjure or anything, but they use them, and uh, it's just really cool to see them uh, laid out in a cage. It's, just, it's neat to see like a giant colubrid. Yeah, it's just I I just think that's really awesome, and the fact that they're just so colorful. It just it just adds to the allure of them. Like I don't have Ridley Eye right now, but those and Rhino Rat Snakes are my two absolutely gonna have this year. That's I've, awesome. I've waited way too long to get both of those. <laughs> it's gonna happen, yeah. Yeah. So it's like me and Inland. But I'll say about Beauty Snakes too though, is because like they're yeah. now they're in my Python room. Um, but they they aren't big fans of it getting too hot either. So most of the time, I don't run a hot spot on the beauty snakes. Me personally, okay. because what I've noticed that when I have put a hot spot on them, they don't use it anyway. Like my two big blue beauties that are in big cages, you know, like Just I'll turn on care. the hot spot. Yeah, I'll turn on the hot spot and they'll move. <laughs> so you know, like because Eric always talks about you know. You know, I've got I've got stuck talking to Eugene for hours on end myself. So you know, the student of the serpent thing. <laughs> you know, you just watch yeah. your animals. Like they'll tell you. Yeah. yeah. Eugene's had that talk with me too, Eric. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> the, uh, yeah. Like well, I just watch well, them because like if I turn the hotspot on and they move, especially if they move from a, you know, within a short amount of time, obviously they don't like that. So I'm like, all right. So I just turn it off, and you know, so my my room temps in the Python room, they seem to just be okay with that. I've just noticed that like most of the Asian rat snakes, all the ones I've kept, don't like it really hot. So so it's just me. I mean, Eugene Bissett gives in, valuable information to everybody and just makes fun of me. So, Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> man, I, I actually Is got a... Uh, <laughs> we were at Arlington and the NRBC show and I ran into Eugene and I was like, Hey, Eugene Bissett, I bought Burmese pythons off you as a kid. And he's like, Oh, Hey man. And he started talking to me and man, he talked to me for like an hour and a half. My girlfriend was like, who <laughs> was that dude? But, because like, I didn't say <laughs> shit. Like I said, Hey Eugene, I bought, I bought burns off you when I was a kid. And man, he talked for like an hour and a half straight. And I was in between wow. buzzed and shit faced. I was in that way, that level. So I was kind of rocking back and forth, holding the drink and, I remember half of what he said. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. But so the temps, they like it on the cooler side. Yeah. How are they with feeding? Like, are they just are they eating machines? Because I've heard they could just be like ravenous. They're they're, they're eating machines. Like, I mean, I, I feed the crap out of my beauty snakes. And I mean, and it's insane, like how much they can eat, and then how fast they'll crap it out. I mean, it is ridiculous. I mean, I'll okay. feed, like, my huge one, I don't know how many would eat because I haven't tested it yet because I don't, I don't want to do that. But, I mean, he can eat a handful of quail. You know, if I fed him small rats or mediums, I mean, I, I wouldn't do small or wean because he would just eat those, like, chicken nuggets. But he, <laughs> um, I mean, a waste of if, 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 yeah. if you have, like, a huge collection of beauty snakes, I mean, you better have a good job to pay to feed them. Okay. They they are just eating machines. So, that's, they grow that's, super that's fast too. Awesome. Oh really? Okay, good. So, because they're on, they're one of those animals that like I saw 
when I was first getting into snakes, I'm like, they're kind of cool. And someone said, whoa, beauty snakes get huge and are, you know, this, that, and the other thing. And I kind of shied away from it. And now that I am, like, getting chased down by, like, eight long white pythons constantly, I'm like, I'm pretty sure I can handle a beauty snake. So um, they're one of those animals I'm like, I think I might want to revisit this and maybe get into those. So um, how's breeding with them? Is it difficult? Is it uh, a little bit more pay attention to some of the other ones? Uh, you know, everything that I've heard and read – and talk to guys about with breeding like beauty snakes. It seems to be kind of like pythons. I mean, Mm -hmm. like a lot of these guys will put them together and they'll let it drop to like 60s, 70 ish. And then they'll just kind of do their thing. I mean, I don't, I haven't bred them yet. Because, I mean, I was talking to Rob Zirkel about it because I I lost my oldest blue beauty female. I was going to breed them this year, but she died, which sucked. Um, but all I was going to do with mine is I was going to start lowering their temps down to in the, in the mm-hmm. mid 60 area. And then I was just going to pair them up and see what they did. So it doesn't, okay. I, from what I've seen, it doesn't seem like any of the beauty snakes guys, uh, like brewmate them. Not that I've seen. It seems like they'll just kind of drop their temps, um, like pythons. That's what it seems like to me anyway. And that's what I, that's how I'm going to do it. You know, I'll just keep talking to the guys that have been breeding the beauties. Because, you know, Sean Childers breeds blue beauties mm-hmm. and then, you know, the Zirkles and then there's a few other people. Which is pretty cool because, like, you're starting to see a lot more cool stuff kind of come back in. It's like it, right. it vanished. There was, like, a black hole for, like, five or ten years where everything just vanished. And you're like, where did all this cool shit go? And now it's popping back up. You're like, oh, sweet. And then you're seeing more right. people breed stuff that, you know, was never bred before. And that's just that's just cool. The only thing that sucks is yeah. when you're into that stuff and you've been into that stuff, the more people that get into it, they'll snatch your stuff up when you when you want to buy it. Like, oh, cool, man. I'm going to get that. And then it's sold. Yeah, oh, bitch. yeah that's why. Never wait. Just go buy it. Yeah. Quick buy everything you want before it goes away. So. Well, you know, like, like the Moosarana, man. I mean, you don't – Moosarana are gone before you – I mean, if you see them and yeah. you want them – you better figure out a way to get Grab them because they're going to be gone. It doesn't matter yeah. if they're normal, pied, super pied. Yeah. I mean, they're gone. And that's, yeah, they're uh, that's just, yeah, they're uh, they're actually uh, one that I really dig. Um, we can uh, we can we can bypass that and then come back to the other. But um, what you, tell us what you're working with with them. Tell us a little bit about them for people that might not know about Musarana. Yeah, I forgot. I didn't even mention those before. <laughs> When, when I was listening, <laughs> but uh, I have the I have two pieds and two super pieds, and the the pied gene in them is incomplete dominant, so which is pretty cool. Usually pied is recessive from what I've seen, but um, so it works just like you know like a super zebra. You bred a super pied to a normal, you get all pieds. Uh, so far, I think that's the only morph in Musarana, but they're from. Uh, I think most of the ones we have in the States are Costa Rican Musarana. Because what I know about them is they, you know, they have a pretty huge range. I think they like go into Mexico and South America and they're all over the place. But I think most of the ones we have are Costa Rican. Um, they're rear fang venomous. Nice. As far as I know, that's not like real bad, super bad. I mean, I, 
don't think it, anybody's had any effects last longer than like 24 hours. And I don't think it's any worse than somebody having like a reaction to a hog nose bite. Um, I would just say, try, if one grabs you, get it off. <laughs> Obviously, get that snake off pretty quick. But they, uh, they have super crazy feed response, but they're not aggressive, if that makes sense. They're, moose are on are pretty damn chill snakes. And uh, I would just recommend not smelling like any type of food item whatsoever. Snake especially. Like if you have moose serrano, like I take care of those first. And they're actually in the okay. other room. They're not in this main snake room. Because I, I, I imagine that would be a nightmare. I don't know how it works with people that have like tons of moose serrano, but I would not want to have big, you know, because they can get six, seven foot. I wouldn't want big Jeez. moose in a room where I have tons of milk snakes and king snakes. I imagine that snake would be batshit crazy food response all the time. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, they, uh, from what I've, I don't know much about breeding them. Like mine, like the way I keep mine is, uh, and I do this with some of my Asian rats too, which I'll talk about in a little bit if we have time. But, uh, but my moose is I have them on the fine shredded Harlan Aspen and I fill about the front half of that with the, that uh, that aspen, and in the back half, I have sphagnum moss in there, just to kind of keep it kind of humid. Because a lot of people give moose around a humid hide, but since uh-huh. mine aren't very big right. right now, I keep them in just drawers. Uh, I fill the back half up with sphagnum moss, so I'll just pull it open, mist it, or whatever, just try to keep them. So they have a humid spot, and gotcha. uh, they're they're in a rack with back heat. And it's about like eighty four degrees, eighty four, eighty five, and okay. then uh, they're at whatever the temperatures are out in the, the dining room, it might be, you know, it's probably like mid seventies out there. Okay. They, uh, that's another snake that can eat like a tank. I mean, I, that's I don't, awesome. I feed them only about mm, usually once a week with those, to be honest. I mean, I'm sure people, you know, probably cram food in them, but I only feed them like once a week and, uh, you know, their food response is nuts. And for being a rear fang snake, they actually constrict too. Which is really weird. Really? Yeah. Yeah, because usually huh. that's not how they do it if they're rear fang, but these things will constrict as well. And it, uh, they're, they're cool, man. Like when they're born, like they have like the red ring around their neck, and then they'll right. have like red hues in their skin and all that, but as they get older, like that red ring disappears and they pretty much just become a black snake. And, uh, they're super cool, real shiny scales, and they're just, they're neat. But like, you know, you just don't see them for for sale because they're gone so quick. Right. They're, re- they're real productive. I think they have. They, I think they triple clutch. Whoa! I guess, Jesus Christ! Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and I think and their incubation time's like ninety, ninety days for their eggs. Okay. Wow. wow. That's yeah. Long. Yeah, it's pretty That's nuts. A long time. Yeah. Ninety days. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, that, that's yeah, one thing with the beauty of snakes. I, I would mention with that if anybody breeds them, like, like their eggs are yeah. their eggs are hard, like chicken eggs, the, like the Taiwan really? and the blues, really? blues and stuff. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's really weird. But the the Ridley eyes aren't like that. The, everything I've heard about Ridley eye, I think Ted was telling me, is that the eggs are more like normal eggs. But the uh, the other beauty snakes, they lay like really hard chicken eggs. Like Rob Stone mentioned so in his Rhino Rat interview, he was talking about is, that beauty snakes with the hard eggs. But with the hard eggs, is that like could they bind up easier than normal snakes if the eggs are hard? I don't know. I don't totally know, man. Like I don't. 
and you know, a lot of people don't post when they have uh, bad stuff happen, but I just, I haven't seen many, I don't think I've ever seen anybody put, talking about it if they bind up. Like, they do something, because I'm still learning a lot with the beauty snakes, but, like, you'll see them. They'll actually wrap around their clutches like python. That's cool. It's weird. All right. Like, now I don't know if they am I am or not, but, yeah, you'll see them. Like, if you see people post, like, a, like a blue beauty or something with eggs, they're wrapped around them like a python. Uh-huh. Crap. Uh-huh. See, now they're even right. more intriguing to me. Yeah. <laughs> so look into oh, great, this. man. I mean, the, the, uh, Taiwans are usually the calmest. And, you know, okay. they're the thickest. Um, my blue beauties, like, most of them are bluffers, in my opinion. Like, I don't get bit ever by beauty snakes. I mean, they look like they're going to bite you. Now, I mean, it, it's all about confidence, in my opinion. I mean, if you reach in there scared of the snake, it doesn't know what you're doing. And, you know, these are big, intelligent, you know, colubrids. And like, mm-hmm. if they don't know what you're doing, I mean, you're probably going to get tagged if you're, you know, pussyfooting around with it. But if you just reach in there and pull them out, I don't get bit by them. The only thing that really bite me is right. like, the cocci. Those little things. <laughs> <laughs> really? The cocci? <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's kind of funny. Like, I yeah. have these huge beauty snakes, and they never bite me, but I have these little these little uh, Thai mountain rat snakes, and they'll freaking nail you. <laughs> <laughs> Always the tiny ones. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the Napoleon complex. Um, yeah. Man. Yeah. That's, <laughs> never trust As far you. as the... <laughs> Easy, you. Um... <laughs> as far as the uh, Muserano, what do you feed them? They're snake eaters. Are you feeding them rodents? And is there any issues yeah. with uh, yeah. the rodent diet, like you see in blackheads or something like that? No, I mean, like, I know, like, I was listening to Jim Hockenberry talk about them before, you know, because, like, he's bred Muserano and everything. And um, I think he tried to feed his hairless rodents, which I try to do that with my Mountain Kings, too like the pirates and all that, like if, when um, <laughs> when they have okay. hairless rodents, I try to buy those up, you know, just because these snakes eat lizards. But uh, uh, anyway, Shit. forgot it. Hold on. Oh, no, <laughs> I haven't started feeding mine a berry diet because they're small. Uh-huh. You know, I've only fed, fed them like uh, they eat fuzzies now. But as they get okay. bigger, I'm going to try to feed them other stuff and see what they do. Now, I've, I had one... Like, because he sent me four. The one looked like it had never been fed, ever. I don't know if it was or not, but it looked, like, really, really super skinny. That snake would not eat it first for me, and I was a little nervous about trying to assist feed a rear fang snake. I just hadn't done it before, and I was like, all right, I I don't want this thing to latch onto my finger and me have a reaction. But uh, (laughs) what I did is I had a um, a, a corn snake that had died, a small one, it was kinked up and everything. It, it died after, you know, you know, like a month after out of the egg. And I uh, froze it, and I, like, it wouldn't eat, and I tossed that in there and it ate that. It was dead, but, I mean, it, so I thought out a corn snake, and I fed it that, and now it eats, it eats fine. Okay. I don't know if that would work every time, but, you know, because I, I have a lot of snakes in here that when it hatches, they don't want to eat mice. Yeah, I was going to ask that because isn't that something that happens a lot with, like, especially gray bands and stuff? That's one of the, uh, the issues yeah, with those the, guys? Yeah, yeah. There, there's, diff- there's different tricks that a lot of people use. Like, they'll, um, you know, scenting with different types of lizard. Uh, you know, one th- uh, boiling pinkies, not live ones. <laughs> um, 
one thing I've done in the past is I'll take a uh, like a snake shed, usually a corn snake uh-huh. or something, and I'll uh, kind of wrap it around the pinky, almost like a sleeping bag kind of thing. That works sometimes. Or, uh, you know, we have all these leopard geckos, and I'll scent, I've sent pinkies to the leopard gecko. That works sometimes. Uh, you know, they really like to eat fence lizards. So if you can have fence lizard scent, that's great. But if you can't, you're going to try other stuff. But the uh, the snake shed things worked for me. And then the uh, the boiling, the pinkies worked well for me. It's like I'll, I'll thaw them out at room temp first, and then I'll boil water. And then I'll toss the – they're already thawed out, but I'll throw the, the pinkies in boiling water, and I'll let them boil for like 30 seconds. And they turn okay. like a white color. It almost looks like cooked uh-huh. chicken is what color they turn. And for some reason, man, a lot of them, yeah. I don't know if it's just the heat. I don't know if it's because they smell like cooked meat. I don't know what it is. But, like, pyros and the block eye in particular, they just seem to hammer boiled pinks. You know, and uh, a lot of baby Hondurans only want to eat live from what I've noticed. <laughs> right. I, I've had to brain. I mean, like, I, I try not to sell live eating just live eating snakes. I try to get them on other stuff, but, you know, if the show's coming up, I just tell people, hey, this might eat live. Right. Gotcha. But, uh, I mean, braining works, too. I don't know if a lot of people probably won't want to do that. Yeah, I was going to ask you that. Yeah. Yeah, I do that. Uh, that that's that like, uh, really get good going like, right away. Yeah, really? Florida kings, cow kings, a lot of them like the, the braining. I, I've done Is that it, for corns, but I, it just kind of happens. Yeah, I don't know why, man. I think it's just the brain juice smeared all over the, the, wonderful the pinky or the food item, and they just, yeah. I don't know what it is, man. They just go nuts. I've gotten Hondurans that take frozen like that, and uh, luckily they you know, they don't need that too many times because that would suck to have to do that every right. time. That would have to suck because then you'd like be, be wasting two pinkies per every uh, one snake. One to brain, yeah. one to smear everything all over. Oh, yeah. So, burn through them pinkies. Yeah. I mean, I've tried to, you know, I've had, I mean, I haven't produced tons of gray bands or anything, but I've, I've mine have gotten pretty lucky with being able to get them to eat live pinks. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, that works okay. Um, it's kind of a pain to go get live because I don't breed rodents. But, uh, you know, I've had some that will take live. I try to do the other stuff first. But, you know, if they're not eating, I'll try a lot. If they don't eat, eat that, then I go to the mouse tail thing where I'll just feed them mouse tails. And I'll say that, you know, the, these little king snakes, you feed them a mouse tail, like most of them, especially like the Nablocki. It, it's funny because it's like, man, why, you're sitting there surprised that the snake won't eat because, like, I'll take this Nablocki that, that hasn't been eating and I'll just barely push that on its snout. And a lot of times it'll grab it on its own and start eating it while I'm holding it. And I'm sitting there thinking, so you'll do that, but you won't eat a live pinky thrown in with you. (laughs) It'll eat the mouse tail while you're holding it. And you're like, okay. How do you uh, survive in the wild? Yeah. Uh, (laughs) That's funny. So, and this is a rat snake that I've never actually, you mentioned it a little bit earlier, but the Japanese rat snakes, uh, yeah. can you tell us a little bit about them? Yeah, those are the uh, the Climacophoras, the uh, Japanese rats. The Japanese rat snake, they're you know they're found on all the 
the, the islands of Japan, but the ones that you see most sought after in the uh, in the trade are usually the Kunishiri Island ones. They call them Kunishiri Island mm-hmm. because as they get older, you know, because they're like this emerald-ish green color, and then they get all these turquoise scales throughout their body, and then their heads will usually be like a turquoise bluish color, and then you can still see their faint stripes in their body as well because, like, they're born like typical, you know, rat snakes. They're kind of, you know, rat snakes are all like, you know, carpets if you think about it. You, most rat snakes are born just ugly. And, you know, they just, <laughs> that is as, true. As, as they get older, man, they just shed and they just turn into this really super cool snake. Um, and that's kind of what these guys, these guys, like, if you saw them sitting at a table, that's a snake you'd want to take an adult. Like, if you had, like, a clutch of these Japanese rats and you're trying to sell them at a show, unless people know what they are, you know, they just walk by and, like, that's ah, a, you know, gray baby rat snake. But, you know, then you see what it looks like as an adult. I mean, that's where it's like, wow. And that's one of those snakes you really need to see in person. I mean, pictures of them are cool, but I haven't met anybody that's seen one of those in person or held one that wasn't like, wow, these things are awesome. Because they're one of my that favorite cool. snakes. The first time I saw one in person, I was, you know, because I was always on the fence. I was like, ah, eh, you know, they're kind of cool, whatever, kind of like the rough scale thing. But then I saw them in person. I was like, whoa, this is awesome. <laughs> so then I went and, you know, got five of them. <laughs> that's the logical thing to do is, yeah, I, I don't, you know, that's five. It's yeah. funny listening to Eric when he gets stuff because I'm like, I don't do things in ones around here. And it's usually not <laughs> two either. Cases. It's like, huh, should no. I get a pair or three? Yeah. That's, that's what I'm like, I, I talk to Eric, I'm like, I got a pair. He goes, really? A box just arrived with 12 animals. I'm like, go to hell. So it's like, you know. Sure. Well, you know, and like a lot sure. of people when they hear 300 and plus snakes, yeah, I mean, that, that's a lot. I mean, it's not like. Yeah. I think it would be yeah. a lot different with that many pythons because, you know, keeping most of these in racks, you know, I can go through them pretty easy. But um, right. the thing is, like, a big reason why I do have these kind of numbers is I've never really been big on that 1.4, 1.3 ratio that a lot of people do. I like to have right. two or three males. Yeah, that I, is, that, you know what, that's smart because I've had boys just not do it in what is crap you know, you might have one that, Yeah, you might have one that's a crappy breeder. Like say, yeah. uh, you really need to get it, you really need to get the male in with the female and he's in shit. Or yeah. you know, something happens to him. Like say if you have a python and like one male gets an R I for whatever reason, something happens, but and then you only have one male. And then you're trying to pound this one male through all these girls and like I'm just like, Man, dude, just buy another freaking male. Or buy Get another boy. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, most of my ratios are like, you know, three point four, the minimum. You know, usually two males at least. But I mean, I don't even mind having three. Because right. I also, like I was saying earlier in the podcast, is like I like to put that male with that female, and then yeah. don't worry about it. And if he doesn't breed her, or he, you know, vice versa, you know, fine. Right. But that just depends. But. Just multiple males, man. Like, I don't know how the ball python people do it. Like, one male to, like, ten freaking females. I, I couldn't do that. <laughs> I couldn't do it. Oh, man. No. Yeah, it's definitely, uh, I, I prefer to have, uh, some, some, uh, some extras just in case, you know? So, usually I have about two to three males per 
per project as well. It was funny, Owen was yeah. saying the other day, we were talking about coastals, and he's he's saying, remember you said, you know, I have like... I, I, screw, I screwed myself. I, I, like, hold, I have like 2.10. <laughs> yeah, I didn't hold back any boys, because I had... I was so male-heavy for so many years. I did nothing but keep back girls. And now, through, you know, older boys passing on and, you know, selling this one and that one, I'm like, I have two males and ten coastal females. What the hell have I done to myself? So yeah. now I'm like, crap, i got to scramble and try to find boys this summer. So, what yep. What happened to that snake, Sonia, that in-pen female? Uh, you still have that uh, snake? No. Uh she was the one who, uh, Eric knows this story. She, I thought, I was giving her the year off. I thought she was gravid and ended up being an impaction that uh, she blew out her intestine and then actually uh, had intestines coming out of her side when I opened the drawer. So I'm like, oh, good, oh. you ate, baby. And I open up the drawer and I'm like, what the hell? And, you know, it was one of those moments of, rushing her to the vet to have the vet go, well, I can put her back together, but she's already, like, septic. It's already it's not going to be much longer. So that was that that killed me. Oh, that killed me because I had God. one clutch out of her, and I was waiting for Eric to breathe his M-Pen so I could get a nice, good-looking boy for her, and that, that just pissed me off. But, yep. Yeah, I was looking, I was looking at that clutch, things. too, because, uh, you know, I'm, I'm buddies with Michael and um, – you know, I like how he does things, and, you know, his coastals are just yeah. amazing. I had yeah. her, and I bred her uh, last year, and it's funny because every time I hear you guys, it's hard to bring that up. <laughs> I just always wondered what happened to that snake because I saw her, and that was the one on out of, I mean, you got a lot of nice stuff, but, like, I remember Man, out you. of all your animals, like, I saw that one. I was like, oh, that's an impen. Then I looked, and I was like, oh, oh yeah. it is an impen. And, you know, because they're so <laughs> obvious. I had... You can tell when it's an impen. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. I had... I had 1.2 M-pens over my career, um, and each one has just something happened that, like, just breaks your heart, and it just ends up passing. So, and I'm dying to get more M-pens, especially because I'm a coastal nut. So I need more M-pens, and I need Brisbane's at some point. And I said Brisbane's right. So I yeah. want props from <laughs> everybody in Australia again. Uh, so, you, know, uh, you know, like when I when I listen, you guys are always like, someone's gonna breed a freaking jag to an impen, and like I, I listen to this, and I always like, oh man, like when someone posts like a, like a jag they bought for me last year, don't say don't say what the breeding was on that because uh, oh good. last year well, I, I took I, uh, Julie, Julie sent me her red jag male thankless, okay, who was originally from right. Andrew Hare, and I bred it to my impen female, and uh. Like you'll see her, Lindsay Noble. Like she'll post pictures of some of those jags, and uh, I produced mm-hmm. those last year from the M pen to the jag. And uh, oh, you know the the normals that came out of that too are are fantastic. I mean they're they're really? amazing. But they uh, like I did that. I bred it to jag, and what was kind of funny is some ocelot ish yeah. stuff came out out of that. Like some that of those really? jags had. I mean not not like Mike Curtin craziness, but I mean like there right, were right. some in there with some ocelot swirls. It was like oh that's that's weird. Um, You know what, it's mentioning this, and and I totally forgot up until now, and I I think it's because I haven't seen him in a while, but Jay McClear was after Sonia for so long, like he was like practically begging me to sell her to him, and after she died, I had a female 
that was from Sonya that I just kind of like, Jay and I kind of made this kind of deal thing. He has her. And I keep asking her about breeding, about what he's doing with her breeding-wise. And I, didn't, I haven't seen Jay in the past couple White Plains shows. So I, I got to send him an email because I would be interested to see what she's done this year uh, with his coastal project. So that would be cool. And thank you for reminding me. So uh, yeah. <laughs> I may not have to rely on Eric. Forget you. So, man, Jay, yeah, Jay has awesome stuff, man. His that uh, Pipo, whatever stuff. coastal stuff he has. Oh God, like that stuff's fantastic. I mean, impens are still the best. Like I, you know, besides tiger, I mean, I would take a tiger any day over anything. Uh, jungle, whatever, I don't care. I mean, I would take a tiger first, but uh, you know, impens are right, right underneath tigers for me. Yeah. You know, yeah, nice. they're the they're the they're pretty sweet, for sure. Um, yeah. Before oh, and before you move on, um, I was just looking. Yes. Um, as I'm scrolling down your page, Ryan, right? You know, I'm just looking at all these different things. I'm curious. Um, this is going back to King Snakes a little bit, but you had a post where you have, um, I guess they're App Bob Applegate. King snakes. Yeah. I, what what, what mm-hmm. exactly are, is that? A, just a line, or is that because my God, they're like amazing looking. Yeah, you'll see like the one you see said, two lines in the in the pyros. Like you'll see ones that are either called Santeritas or Bobel or Bobel, Chris Bobel. Okay. Um, where they just they line bred these animals just like Applegate. They line bred them just reducing the black. Like I have a male here that has like zero black, like not even on his head. He's just a red and white, right. looks like a candy cane. Um, and those things are just absolutely phenomenal. And all that really was was line breeding. Same thing with the Santa Rita Pyros. And uh, they're just they're just, they're just just fantastic. I probably get messaged, people mainly, I think I get messaged most about the Black Eye and Black Milks, but the, those Applegate Pyros, which I'm not breeding this year, um, Everybody wants those, which I understand because they're they're probably my favorite of all the uh, Arizona Mountain stuff. Yeah. Now, then you have one in the post that uh, does have some black, and I think I might like the one with the black boar. I, I really, I guess again, it's that contrast. But goddamn, that thing is uh, wow. What well, is it? A uh, is it one of the apple gates, or is it is it like that really I don't know, cool just, male that I have that was on a rock? Something you posted up, um, here's some black Charlotte. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's uh, that's the breadwinner male. Yeah, he came from a guy, uh, Phil Curry. And uh, I bred that male to both of the uh, normal pyros I have here. So uh, okay. hopefully hopefully I'll have some of those. The one female, I can't believe this snake had six eggs. But I got six eggs in the incubator from one female and three from another. So I got nine eggs incubating right now from that male. And oh, he is wow. absolutely phenomenal. He's, he's my favorite pyro I have. I mean, I love this Applegate one, but he's my favorite. He's just ridiculous. Yeah. I'll give you any kind of carpet you want for that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he, yeah, man, he, he's cash, awesome. Whatever you yeah. <laughs> there you go. And it's, it's one funny, of those too, babies. because when people come there over, that's, that's one of the snakes I hand them. 
and it, it's then they're always like, holy shit, this snake's awesome, and it I'm like yeah, and he's cool. Like if you like Eric, red, you would you'd love coming over here in this house. Cause, Eric like, there are so many red snakes. Yeah, Eric has all kind of IJs and tigers. You can get all of them. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> tigers, man. None of it. Can't get the tiger's head albino, not the Owen picks. So I See, really I, I knew talking to you orders. guys. I would start talking about carpet pythons a little bit, too. Cause that, uh, See, yeah. Yeah, because yeah. Yeah, the, the, the tigers, <laughs> I remember when I first went to, uh, when I first, but, like, because I went in the military after working at Pete, I was in the military mm-hmm. for 10 years, but I, I would go back home every now and then when my mom still lived in Maryland, and when Ted still lived in New Freedom, I'd go hang out with Ted for the weekend or whatever. Yeah. And uh, that's when he first had, like, when he first had his tigers, like the young ones. Yeah. I think he picked, he, I think he picked his up at the Daytona Reptile Show. I can't remember who he picked them up from, because um, his original ones didn't come from Jason. You know, he had, like, his mm-hmm. own thing going. Um, then he had that ornate tiger whatever that he got from Ian that big female the older one yes uh, I love that animal she's awesome that snakes kick ass uh, but I remember I was looking through all his snakes and I'd, I'd never seen a tiger carpet before and I think they were brand new back then anyway and I pulled yep. open this tub and I pulled one open I was like oh what what, what is this man and he's like oh that's a tiger <laughs> I was like this is the coolest thing I've ever seen in my life and uh, he's like yeah there's more than one of them and I pulled open another drawer like oh wow and it just uh, I think it's the head pattern the head pattern and the stripe and all that, it just, you just yeah. see it and you're like, wow, that's, that's freaking awesome. You can't beat a tiger, man. They're just the best. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, yeah, there, so there was that tigers. dude. It's crazy. We, I know you guys will remember the snake I'm going to mention, but that guy that, uh, I think he was in Australia. He had that, uh, jungle carpet that looked like a tiger, but a jungle. I think his name was like yeah. Shipley Serpents or something like that. Yeah, uh-huh. and, uh, I remember seeing that snake, not the tribal jag or whatever that thing was, but the, uh, I remember seeing that snake. I was like, "Holy shit!" I was like, "What tribal is that?" Tribal jag. Yeah, yeah. It it's just that yeah. you can get blown away by anything. So, and tigers, everybody loves a good tiger. So I'm gonna have tigers hatch soon. That's gonna be cool. So, um, but. Something I just picked up was pine snakes, and I know we kind of touched on them a little bit, but uh, what pine snakes are you working with? Well, the what I ended up grabbing is because, like, uh, there's another buddy of mine, uh, Will. I always mess his last name. It was, like, McGrady or something like that. He has this mm-hmm. awesome albino uh, southern pine, which I've always liked the albino so cool. southerns more than the northerns. Which is yeah. kind of funny because, like, you, you know, you look at a northern, and a northern is usually a lot more contrasty than a southern. But for some reason, the albino southerns are just amazing. But uh, he kept posting this snake on all the Pitalophus pages, and I was like, oh, my God, that thing's awesome. And uh, I just immediately was like, okay, I'm going to get a pair of an albino southern pines. I don't care what I have to do or where I'm going to find them. So I found one regular albino southern pine at a random Repticon. I was like, okay, I'm going to buy that. I'll just quarantine it for six months. And then uh, I picked up an albino southern patternless. I'm not a huge fan of the patternless, but it was a cool mm-hmm. snake. And I was like, all right, I'm going to grab that. And so I only have a pair of pines, and they're young. I wish I had a lot more room, which I think we all do, because, I mean, I could have, like, a whole wall 
just lined with cages full of different pine snakes. I mean, I just, you know, and, and bull snakes too, like all that pitilofa stuff is great. Cause I, I don't know. They just, cause they kind of have like a carpet python build almost, you know, and they get six, seven foot, some get almost eight foot. And it's just, I don't know. They're, they're stocky. You know, they're, they're usually pretty chill. I mean, I know they, they start off, you know, a little pissy, but, uh, yeah, most of the time they're just big bluffers, but I just, I love them. I, yep. I wish I could have more, but I don't I don't have the room. They just get too big. They have such cool attitudes where it's like open mouth, rear up, double S, and then it's like you hook the snake and move, and they're like, damn you, it's like they're going in the other bin because yeah. you defeated them. I mean, it's like they're, they have such big stand-up, in-your-face attitudes that I absolutely love in those kind of snakes, so... And they feel cool. They kind of like have the ridged kind of scales too, kind of like a roughy. So they're definitely one of my favorite colubrids. Um, but there's a ton of different kinds out there. I didn't realize up until recently that there are a ton of different pine snakes out there. <laughs> so, oh, it's ridiculous. Yeah. You start going into the gopher snake stuff, and, I mean, there's like seems like an endless amount of different gopher snakes, and then they all have tons of morphs. And then, uh, you know, like there's, you know, there's different localities of bull snakes, you know, because bull snakes have such a huge range. And then, you know, they, you have these morphs of them. And then it's just, it's incredible because I, I can't believe how many there are. And it's just, they're just big, impressive animals. I mean, the best ones, in my opinion, still are the hypo stillwater bulls. Um, yes. I mean, I, uh, pine snakes are, are my favorite of all the Pelopa stuff, but I, I really like the, the hypo stillwaters. Those things are just absolutely phenomenal. We, the, the zoo I worked for, we used to have, we had a pair of adult southern pines and a pair of hypo stillwaters, and I could get the <laughs> southern pines to breathe like crazy. Like, it was every year, southern pines, boom. And I would bring them with my pythons to like Hamburg and place like that to sell. And they would always go like hotcakes. I don't know why, but people in Hamburg love Southern pines and I could never get the hypo still waters to breathe. Never. Don't know why, but I just could never get them to go. And it was so upsetting. Cause I would have loved to have seen those babies. So. Yeah. Oh, I'll tell you right now that those things would sell like wildfire. Cause you know, not just Colubert or Pitalophus fans, like, but mm. I barely know anybody that, I mean, if they even kind of like bull snakes or pine snakes, like hypo stillwaters are like, I'm pretty sure just about everybody's favorite in that, uh, that complex. I mean, yep. I, I'm going to find room for them somewhere. I mean, I want the Dominican red mountain boas too, but I have nowhere to put those. I, I have absolutely nowhere to put those snakes. I wish I did. It, if you decide you want Dominican Red Mountain Bows, you can contact the snake breeder I know who will gladly send you like 12 <laughs> if he ever has them again. Yeah. Just to get them the hell out of here. Yeah. Uh, I'm pretty sure I know who you're talking about, too. Really? Am I making it <laughs> yeah. too obvious? Oh. Yeah, I've heard, I've heard enough of the podcast. <laughs> oh. Yeah, that, uh, man, I, I, I love those. I just don't. I've gotten to the point where I really have, like, unless it's Kluberd and can go in, you know, a 32-quart tub or whatever, I just have nowhere to put it. Stuff that needs to be all that, I just... 
I was going to say, you know, it really surprised me, uh, you know, talking about colubrids and just looking around, and I know we're talking about pine snakes and you're talking about all the different kinds. You know, garter snakes, has, has, there's some crazy, wild-looking garter snakes out there that they're really, oh, really yeah. nice-looking snakes. Man, yeah, there's a guy, I think his name, well, there's Scott Felter, and then there's another mm-hmm. dude, I think his name's... Uh, Thomas Hamilton, and uh, those dudes have, I mean, just insane garter snake collections. I mean, I'm, I like garter snakes. They're not really my favorite thing, but I do like the ones that have the red and the albinos with high red. Yeah. Uh, those things are, are amazing. So there's, yeah. I mean, I can think of a lot of people that, I mean, I don't know how many people will listen to this show besides my friends, but, uh, you know, I know a lot of the Colubrid people that you guys could talk to down the road, and like, man, oh, cool! Like they they know so much stuff. You know, even like you know, a guy like my buddy Scott McFarland with the Florida Kings. I mean, that dude's just like a fountain of information. I mean, he has other stuff, but like he mainly specializes in those. And you know, and then you know, like Ted. You know, like I told you, Eric, I'm going to talk to Ted see if he'd want to do this. But uh, I mean, Ted bred everything. Sure. Me bred for yeah. carb pythons back in what 2003 or something. He had his barnex. Um, yeah, uh-huh. but I remember those. But Ted's bred everything. He bred those pygmies and you know carpets and all kinds of stuff. And like he's, he's, he always has rainbow boas and stuff every year at Hamburg. Oh too. Man. He's got his his he's got instead of having a table at Hamburg, he has like a cat, and each one of those tables is chock full of animals and none of them are animals he's gone and grabbed from somebody else. They're all stuff that he's like just cocked out over the season. So, Oh yeah. He's bred everything and consistently. So it's, it's crazy how, you know, I kind of miss women up on the East coast because like, you know, there's so many, you know, look at the size of the carpet community up there. And, you know, my friends like Ted and Matt Petza and some of these other guys that have awesome collections on the East coast. You know, I miss that and being able to go to Hamburg back in the day because I like I would like to go to Hamburg now that it's you know huge because back mm-hmm. when I was going to it, it was probably just beginning. Um, that right. show and like Happy Grace and that you know Hamburg was just a you know pretty small show. I think it was like one smaller room. I don't know where they used to have it in the late '90s, early 2000s, but uh, you know Ted I think had like two tables back then, but people would just Constantly, constantly coming because he's got a flavor of everything. You know, if you like ball pythons, he's got those, and he's got yep. mole kings and everything. I, I have several carpet pythons from Ted. Uh, some of my some of my first tiger carpets, and my one female, just Let straight it. up coastal, who I adore, is from Ted. So, oh yeah, Ted's got the great stuff. Yeah, that uh. That, that whole lesser tiger thing. <laughs> I remember that because I yeah, was in the show. Right. And I was like, hey, Ted, you make some more lesser tigers? Just poking it. Um, yeah. But I think that came back from when a lot of people, I think, they used to think tiger was co-dominant. And yeah, then, right. it did. I think, I think that's I think that's where, where he was going with that lesser thing because, you know, he was surprised when he bred that tiger to, I guess, the ornate. He got these normal-looking animals, and he was like, what the hell? And uh, Yep. But those... Those things grew up to be awesome snakes, though, man. I'll say that. They're and 
and they grew up to be some of the best breeders because they pop out some of the craziest looking babies. So, oh yeah, great animal. Oh. Well, well, Eric, back to Clearbridge again. <laughs> no, sorry, man. <laughs> Eric, no, yeah, that's cool. Good thing we didn't talk about Burmese pythons. I could talk about those for the whole show too. <laughs> yeah, right. It's just uh, yeah, that, yeah. I always love those those snakes, but too big for me right now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just the the whole reason that happened is because like when I got out of the military and I could like really start acquiring like a big collection again, you know that's right around when, you know, they're right about to take berms away from us for the most part. And I was like, oh, man, right. what do I do? Because that's what I was going to do. I was going to get out and then, you know, have, I don't know, get like a dozen Burmese to work with, and that's what I was going to mess with. And then right. when that started happening, I was like, well, crap. Now what do I do? So. Yeah, I guess not that, yeah. Yeah, definitely not. That. But you know what? I, I had a couple. Like, I had an albino and I had a hypo, and I loved those snakes. But as they started yeah. getting bigger and bigger, you know, these big six-foot cages were in my room, and they are taking up so much room. And just, I was like, man, I can put, like, 30 snakes where that is. And I just, right. I was like, I had, I moved them. I sold them to friends of mine. And my albino, the real awesome one, I didn't want to sell her, but, you know, some local buddies of mine really wanted her, and they'd take good care of her. And I was like, all right, I can put 30 king snakes where she's at. So hmm. that's where that went. Yeah, same same here. I do, I, I'm starting to do like, uh, I'm going to see how it goes, but uh, like uh, talks at schools and stuff. And I think that, uh, you know, to have a big snake is like the, uh, you know, the, to steal the show type of thing, you know, at the end where everybody's like, oh, my God, you know. So I I don't know. Maybe one day I'll get one just as uh, just as that, but, you know. What well, can do does anything too, outside I mean, of Pennsylvania. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, you could have a uh, – I don't think you're really into boas, Eric, but, uh, <laughs> you know, you could always have, like, a big albino boa, you know, too, in that – Yeah. Uh, that – because, like, you yeah, see those true. shows with those kids, and, I mean, they, they really get into, like, you know, you bring, like, a bearded dragon or a blue-tongued skink or, a, um, you know, a couple uh, king snakes or something. They all think it's cool, but it's, like, for some reason you pull out that big tub and you have a big berm or a big boa in there, like, that just, especially when like it's an albino or something, uh, the kids just go nuts for that stuff. Yeah. I'm trying to understand. That's what I was like, into when I was a kid. I mean, I still like them, but, you know, when I was a kid, you know, seeing a giant Burmese, I was like, wow, that's the coolest snake in the world. I want that, you know, 15 foot, 150 pound yeah. snake. So true. <laughs> yeah. Just go get those cowrie sticks uh, that we saw. They, they oh, oh, man. I want one of those real bad, to be honest. I know. <laughs> yeah, that, those, those things are the coolest. Yeah. And honestly, Anyways, they're even cooler to, oh, in person. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. They are. <laughs> Uh, oh, so where, okay, so we <laughs> talked with uh, we talked about pine snakes. Um, probably one of my, well, the last two that we would hit on would be my probably my, you know, personal two favorites uh, that uh, I really always kind of dug, and it would be uh, mandarin rat snakes and uh, cocci. Really, uh, probably the cocci because of the stripe, you know, the black stripe. Yep. <laughs> 
again with the stripe um, and that orange color. <laughs> and uh, mandarin rat snakes, man, that color is just crazy. So, what? Tell us about tell us about what you're working with and maybe uh, about them in general. No. I said, well, I know the, you said at the beginning of the show that they're kept uh, cooler, so maybe you could hit on that as well. Yeah, the uh, the cocci, I have ten of them, and I'm about to uh, get a, a John Barry's adult pair from him, so that'll give me a, a nice dozen, nice round number. Um, <laughs> and it's and it's six point six too, so I have a mouth for each female. Um, Jesus, they're nice. just uh, <laughs> nice. Yeah, I mean they they're awesome. They uh, you know they're they're cooler cooler snakes like they, they work they're like the crested gecko of snakes i mean they just it's just it's amazing like how they're not like normal animals like i mean you keep them cool and they just their metabolism and just like how everything works like what they can digest prey at how they can digest prey you know in the you know mid to low 70s even into the 60s like, I mean, I've heard, you know, I've heard uh, Chad Brown talking about cocci when they had a lot of those. And he said, like, they would put some down for brumation and a female would lay a clutch. Like, these animals would be down in the 50s brumating and he'd go in there and one of his females had eggs. Right. It's it just, wow. yeah, it's just, yeah. <laughs> crazy. I mean, they're, they're very, very prolific. Like, a lot of them triple clutch. And they, they just, they breed like rabbits. They They eat great. They're very, even though they're like a, you know, a fossorial snake, you know, they, they're still very, very active. Like, I mean, you could put one on a display cage. As long as you can keep it cool and humid, I mean, it's going to, uh-huh. I mean, yeah, it's going to hide, but it's also going to crawl around. And, I mean, they're, they're fantastic animals. And uh, what I do with mine is I keep the adults and uh, I have those animal plastic racks, the ones that hold you know, two fifteens or a thirty two quart with a hybrid rack. Uh-huh. And uh right. I I keep the, the adult cocci in the thirty two quarts. And now what I do with them, I've tried different things, but like the bottom the base layer of the tub is uh cocoa fiber. I've done cypress mulch, I've done you know, I even tried aspen before. Uh and I used to like when I had cypress mulch or when I had a uh, aspen, I gave them a, a, hide, a humid hide with uh, sphagnum moss, but I dismissed it. But now how I keep them okay. at the moment is I keep them, I have cocoa fiber on the bottom, and then I I layer the entire top of the cage with sphagnum moss. And then okay. I just have a yeah, pretty decent-sized water bowl in there, you know, probably, I don't know, like six-inch water bowl. Um, and I missed it. Not even every day, just a fair amount. I don't. I'm not a big mister, you know. Like, you know, even with my chondro, you know, a lot of people will miss, and then other people don't. Uh, I missed it a little bit, but it seems to they seem to thrive in it. How I keep them, I keep my lattice uh-huh. the same way, and uh, I just make sure they don't. You know, out there, there's no heat on them, so they're anywhere from 70 degrees to 77 at the highest, and uh, I keep. Okay. I have I only have one pair of mandarins. I have a lot more cocci than mandarins, but uh, I have one pair of mandarins. You know, absolutely cannot get them in the 80s because they'll die. You know, you, hmm. you want to keep them 70s. Like, don't go above that. Um, you know, I have I haven't had like tons and tons of experience with mandarins, but that's everything I've ever read or seen or heard from other people is do not let them get above the 70s. So. Um, 
how I keep those is they're, they're both still relatively small, and uh, I keep them on cypress mulch, and I don't miss okay. that or anything. And then they have a hide box in the in the back of the cage, and it's just a, a you know piece of Tupperware I got. And I cut the cut the top out. I put sphagnum moss in there, and I'll mist it when it needs it. That hide box. That's about it. I actually think that these, even though they're cooler uh, temp snakes, I think they're super easy. Uh-huh. I mean, just just keep them cooler. Really, I mean that's right. what I've noticed. <laughs> I mean, keep them cooler and well hydrated, mm. and, and they're totally fine. Just don't let them get too hot, or they'll they'll die. They'll go downhill fast. Um, but it's just amazing how quick these cocci grow. I mean, you, you know, you're keeping really? these snakes. Yeah, I mean, you're keeping these snakes like way, you know, ten degrees cooler than what you keep most of your animals. And I mean, like you feed them and they just grow like weeds. And um, you know, they just they're really prolific breeders. I don't know if everybody hibernates them, but I know a lot of people just it seems that they do the regular uh, colubrid hibernation. You know, three months okay. in the fifties dark, you know, bring them back up, feed them, shed, breed them, and uh, pretty pretty sure that's the same thing they do with the mandarins. I don't know yet because I won't. The mandarins, mine aren't growing to, real fast, and I'm not in any rush anyway. I, I keep those because I like them. But, um, right. you know, when they breed, I'm really looking forward to it, but they, uh, you know, as far as I know, they just do it the same way. Just you know, hibernate them for a few months and bring them up, and then start pairing them. There's a the mandarins, like you'll see that, like there's you know, because they go from Vietnam down into China, and mm-hmm. like the Vietnam localities. I don't know if it's all of Vietnam, because I'd have to read on it more. But like some of the Vietnam ones can get up to six foot. What? Which is just crazy wow. to see a man like a big, huge mandarin. Like I haven't that seen is... one that big, but like I've read about them, the ones from Vietnam localities, and they're like six foot, or they can get six foot. Because most of the ones we That's have here, insane. I would say, are, chi- are ones from China. And, you know, you're going to yeah, get most yeah. of those anywhere from, like, two to maybe, I don't know, four foot, like two to four foot. I mean, they're not real big. But you'll see, uh, like, the mandarins, I think, personally, I don't know if they're, like, the top, you know, you know, non-morph, just naturally occurring snake, but they're, like, definitely my top five as far as, like, non-venomous, just that's a mandarin rat, no morph, no anything, that's it. I think I think a lot of people like that. Snakes. I, I think yeah. a lot yeah, of people, man. like, at a snake show will will notice the mandarin rat. Oh, absolutely. So. And, and and they, they're they very variable. Like, you'll see some um, that have red in them. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I saw, I've seen a picture, like, you can find it on Google, you just put mandarin rat. There's, like, I don't know who the snake belonged to, but the snake had so much red that it was like, it has re- the red, like, instead of just being in the sides or whatever, like you see in a lot of them, like it, it went all the way up around the diamonds. And I mean, and it was like that's red. That's red. nuts. Yeah it, was, yeah, it was like so red that it was like ridiculously cool looking. You know, I'd, I prefer cool. mine to be, uh, not really have much red. I mean, my one female, I mean, I like how she's kind of got it coming through. Um, but I like ones that uh, have a lot of yellow in them. Yeah. And uh, there's there's actually a few morphs. Like the I think there's hypos. There uh, there's an albino in China, and I think there's a guy in the states. I think he's out in California. He has an albino. Um, I mean, I'm not really that interested in the, al- the Mandarin morphs, but it's still cool that you know they right. have these because I think I think if they start producing albino mandarins, 
and then they uh, you know breed them into the ones that have a lot of red. You can get like you know instead of red, have like orange up the sides and all that. That'd probably be pretty cool. Dabby. But um, yeah, and I, and I don't know if they would. You know, most people are calling them exantic, but there's you know there's exantic mandarins, so they're black and white. Um, those That's are pretty right. neat looking. I think uh, Matthew Most and uh, Matthew Most Scott Powley and I don't know if Stan Grumbach breeds mandarins, but like Matthew Most fantastic guy uh sarpa mitra is his business name he's got all kinds of really cool uh asian rats he's the guy that i a lot of mine have come from him and matt petza um he has mandarins that are just insane and what's cool about his is he has asian rats but he also has the localities on them which kind of makes it even cooler (laughs) you know you know like australia with the wheat with the wheat belt stimpsons and that kind of stuff right um like how that's neat it's you know, North American locality stuff is cool, but, like, when you can find, like, locality milks or locality Asian rat snakes, that's even cooler. Yeah. Right. You know, so, but the, yeah, both both those animals are, are awesome. I'm right there with you, Eric. I love those. I could have a ton of mandarin rat snakes, but I have two of them. <laughs> <laughs> for now, right? <laughs> yeah, for two. Yeah. 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 Well, I mean, the, the first is, you know, the Ridley Eye. I got some work out with Ted, so I'll have those. And then the Rhino Rats. I'm not pushing that off anymore. I've pushed it off for like three years. I'm finally going to buy them. Good. But right. it was hard because, you Everybody know, it's like, it was, for the longest time, it was like 1500 a pair for a Rhino Rat. Mm-hmm. And, right. I mean, I've spent, spent that on animals, but I was kind of like, ugh. You know, I was still learning more about Asian rat snakes. It's like, God, if I buy these and then they die, I'm just going to want to oh, <laughs> jump off the oh, roof of my house. God, you just want to vomit. <laughs> yeah. What, you know, it's it's like if it's a sensitive animal. or I mean, I mean, they seem pretty tough. I mean, the more I learn about rhino yeah. rats, they seem like they're pretty tough, just meet their requirements, and they're fine like anything. But, you know, it's different than, like, spending big money on a carpet. Because, you know, carpets are, like, tough as nails. Yeah. You know, you say if you they buy are, a typo bread lie from Nick, I mean, like Nick said, I mean, you you can't kill a bread lie unless you like shot you it really or dropped can't. a rock on it. Yeah. Yeah. So like really, spending really like can't. say you spent four grand on a pair of hypos or whatever, like I personally would feel better about that because I know okay these things are going to grow up, they're going to be awesome, not going to kill them. But mm-hmm. you could drop like several thousand on like an Asian rat has always kind of made me go, eh, I don't know about all that. Same thing with rough scales. They're expensive, but I'm not hesitant to spend big money on those because I know that I'm not going to kill them. Right. <laughs> yeah, I would like yeah, to yeah. spend the money and keep the snakes for a very long time. Yeah. <laughs> not 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 have something happen where it's like I just rented these animals. So yeah. That would well, I, I could see that. Well and you know, before like the ever... Clubert explosion when I when I started working with Bill and Julie on this you know, when I didn't have that many snakes, you know, there was a, there was a year where I made some pretty good sales when I had ball pythons and boas, and I had some money right. sitting there, and I was going to buy a pair of bowlins. I was real close to doing it, but I was like, dude, I can't drop six grand on these things, and I know I'm probably not going to be able to breed them, and I have to, I'm scared to keep them because I don't want to kill them, <laughs> and that's $6,000 right. or whatever it was, and I was like, ah, I can't do it. So I didn't do it. Yep. What I what I noticed with Bowen's keepers is that they typically are 
people that have worked with numerous species, you know, and they, they've worked through it, they've bred it, they've, they've, they've kind of had success, and they're looking for that next challenge. And it seems that they, like, move out their collection and then focus on bones, you know. And that's – and I think uh, – I, I don't know. I don't know if you – I mean, I guess at one point maybe we'll be able to keep a pair and maybe people will be breeding them, you know, the more they become established in captivity. But uh, it seems that the guys that are being successful with them are definitely just focused on on that. Um I would imagine that Bowens is going to be like Scrubs, where you have the people that are set and they breed them and they have continued success, but then every once in a while you have somebody over here in left field that gets a clutch. Eventually. I'm not saying it will be soon. I'm not saying it will be next year, but it, it, eventually after a lot more captive-born and breds are produced, you'll eventually get to the point, I think, where uh, – Following what these other people have set forward, some person might be able to be at, might be able to have a, a year or two of success with their own personal bowlings, while you have the other people who are dedicated that'll just churn them out year after year after year. So that's what I think. And you know that yeah, like those I'm people, I, I have so much respect for them too because I yeah I don't think you Owen or or Eric well I know especially Eric and I I could not just keep one species. Eric, like you don't have one species. Yeah, it'd be weird. <laughs> I, I couldn't do it. Like even even just carpets, you know, even with all yeah. the different flavors and subspecies and everything, like I couldn't just keep carpets. As awesome yeah. as they are, like I couldn't do it. Like um, like guys like Beehoff that keep like jungles and gamma jags and all that. I mean, like just seeing black and yellow snakes and all that. Like I. My ADD would go insane. Like I would have to, <laughs> I would have to buy like a cow king or something to put over here and be like, okay, that's not black <laughs> okay, and yellow. But like, yeah, but those guys me. are cool because they they focus on that thing and they do yeah. really well at it. You know, but I would be, yeah, I'd be more like how Rendell's is and how he he produces all these awesome ja- uh, jungles. But he also has, you know, he has, like, blood pythons on the side and Chris likes Argentine yep. and stuff like that. You know, it's, it's yeah. the variety of spice of life. And it, yeah, that's kind of how how I feel. I'm, I'm kind of the same way. It's kind of like, uh, you know, I tried all these different things. I, I don't even know why I went the route of doing something, like, lizard-wise. You know, I don't know what drove me that <laughs> way since I have, I love snakes, uh, you know, but the what I've learned is that, experiment. yeah, yeah. I, I learned just that you know, I, I stick with the snakes, research it for a while, and if I still feel super excited about it after researching it, then you know, uh, keep with it and get a pair. Sometimes it works. Sometimes I've found that uh, I don't, I don't like them. You know, like free ticks were example. I thought I would love them. Oh yeah, you, you know, and the beautiful bought, animals. You bought a pair of like, Yeah. Nope. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I had those for a while, and like, I know both of y'all are gonna like just love this because I've heard, you know, like Bob Clark, a few other people say this, but like I hate when people compare Burmese pythons to retics. Like no, they yeah. are Critters. nothing yeah. alike. Yeah. Like they are both yeah. big, but a berm 
is lazier than a ball python. I mean, they're just oh, yeah. giant <laughs> slug. You know, yeah, I mean, yeah. they're, they're amazing it's animals. You take them out, they'll crawl around. But they're real slow and methodical yep. with their movements. Delivery. They're not all over the place. Yep. A big retic is like me. Hand, like if one of my Hondurans was 15 foot and 100 pounds, that is the retic. <laughs> I call retic giant milk snakes. I mean, it's not that they're like mean or anything, but it's like their food response is they the same. Move. Yeah, and they just they're constantly moving, and when they get real, real big, I mean they're knocking shit over. And like I couldn't, have, I had retics, and like you know, they were both not they were nice animals, but like you know she would stick her head behind the rack, and like you'd have to be like, trying to pull her out, and like it's they're so strong. I mean she could knock <laughs> over a twelve high boa file rack like it's nothing, and I'm right. like okay, I got to get rid of these things, and then it just yep. yeah. yeah. I mean, they're cool, but, you know, I'm I'm happy with what I have now. And, um, you know, they crap a lot, but I've gotten it down to a science now to where I can just keep everything clean and just kind of roll through it. And in colubrids, there's such a huge array of animals, and you can keep them uh, pretty much the same way for the most part, besides little quarks here and right. there with different stuff. But, like, there's so many different types that works perfect for someone like me. Right. I mean, right. I mean, trust me, I'd love to try to find a way to squeeze some blood pythons in here, but I, there's nowhere. There's nowhere. <laughs> I, I tried bloods. I'm good. Um, so that was – I'm done there. Eric can do that, just like how he's tried different forms of liasis, and he's good with, like, olives. So, yeah, just how it goes. You kind of try, you play with, and then you run. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I would – like. I, I like Maclots. I would really like a pair of those, oh. but, you know, I just don't have anywhere to put them. I'd, I've loved Maclots python since I was a kid, but I'm just, again, I'm, like, sitting here, like, can I put cages on top of that rack? I mean, <laughs> but there's, just, there, there's nowhere to put them. I mean, because I'm lining it up right now as I'm saying it. Like, uh, I'm looking at my racks and, like, can I fit four-footers up there and, you know, yeah. just maybe just a pair of Maclots pythons and, um now, but there's nowhere. Maybe Sabus or something because they could fit in what I have going on in here. Right. Have you ever thought of um, Spilotes? Have you ever wanted to keep yeah. those? Yeah. Yeah, those are freaking sweet. Yeah, I just, that, that's another, you know, because another animal, because like, if you watch Dan Maleri's videos on you know, YouTube, he keeps all those, you know, keeled rats and Spilotes and all. You know, they need more cages like my beauty snakes. And uh, right. my beauty snakes... You know, if I'm going to have big active colubrids, the beauty snakes trump the other stuff. So I kind of just decided to, to keep the big blue rat snakes instead of the, the tigers. God, they're freaking sweet, man. I mean, I love the Splodies. Um What's yeah, name, Jason? They're pretty cool. Jason Hood, he's got some awesome. Yep. Uh, he's got those Zeus yeah. piece or whatever, too, those gray and orange and crazy, like, 10-foot, you know, South American colubrids. I mean, those things are awesome. I love those, but... I like everything, man. I just need a warehouse like Pete, and I can have blackheads and all kinds. I know, right? <laughs> Everybody needs a goddamn snake building. So they do. It just oh man. I mean, there's everything. You know, like when Charlotte first got her blackheaded python, and she's showing me because I like Aspidites. She got got this from Derek, and she showed me pictures. Like, damn it! Like, I don't watch K Brother videos anymore because, you know, Denver's always on there with all these blackheads, and then, he, you know, they pull the white girl out or that huge Pilbara female. 
Yeah, uh, and yeah. I'm just like, okay, I can't, I can't watch these videos anymore because I'm seeing all these cool blackheads, and then I start looking at what Derek has. I'm like, all right, nope, nope, no, no, nowhere to put, no, nowhere to put them. No. Nah. Yeah. That's that's yeah, the problem I mean, with doing this show. Is like you talk to all these different people that that work with all these different things, and you're like, oh man, they make it sound so cool. I want, I want some. When we, <laughs> yeah. when we started this show, I had six coastals. That was freaking it. <laughs> and that was it. Now we've done horrible things. I mean, there's so many different shits everywhere. So, yeah, it's all because of the show. Oh, man. You know yeah, what? Man, uh, as you guys have progressed, I mean, you just talked to more yeah, like yeah. one python shows. Yeah. I mean, you, yeah. you, you, you listen to Matt Minotola talk and, you, you know, you start looking at his page, you're going to end up wanting like, a you know, half a dozen Borneos. Imagine going to his house. <laughs> no. Yeah. You know? No. Like, that would be a nightmare. I'm like, I'm like, there is not a single thing in here you'll get me to like, oh, and hold this teen egg. Oh, oh, well. Oh, oh this is egg. pretty. Oh, so it's like, yeah, then, it, then you're screwed. Yeah. So well, that's just Because I mean, that happened to me all. That happened to me already. Because, you know, like two years yeah. ago, when this started happening and my collection started shifting, I was selling my carpet python. You know, mm-hmm. not because I didn't, not because I didn't love them, but I started moving out um, my carpets. Like, you know, one went to Vito Gianni, and then one went to Evan. Um, I'm good friends with Jamie Carn, so I I sent probably most of my jungles to Jamie. But then I go to Julie's, and I'm around all this awesome stuff like inlands and jungles and yeah. all this other yeah. stuff. And then I come home, you know, with a GFX jungle, and you know she's oh. awesome. Ooh. And I'm like, okay, well, I got one. I don't do things in one besides my one random chondro and one random Amazon tree boa, but I don't need any more than that. Right. Um, then, then I buy a jungle from Charlotte. And then, oh, well, uh, no, I did have – I actually had two adult jungles, never mind. But I did – but I had those, and then I started adding more, and then I borrowed her mail. You know, I bred my uh, – she had a headhunter mail she let me bring home, and I bred it to my Fudo female. <laughs> Right. So now I have a clutch of jungles that are hatching. So I went from last year being like, okay, I'm going to focus on not carpet pythons anymore. Well, <laughs> and I go to her house, and I'm around all the carpets, and then I come home with more after just selling <laughs> some. Huh. And I'm wow. like, damn it. Out. Yeah. <laughs> you can't get out, man. Carpets, you can't no. get out. They're bulletproof snakes. Yeah. <laughs> I, you know, yeah, I think that's one up. thing about Morelia besides, like, the head structure is just – Carbon pythons are just, they're so tough. You know, a lot of them will perch. You know, they're mm-hmm. just super cool snakes. And, I mean, I, you know, I can't see why people don't like them. I mean, a lot of people come over and they, they think they're mean. But, you know, they're not. I mean, I have one. My albino jag's an asshole. That's the meanest <laughs> snake I have. Something, such a dick. Something, something about Darwin jags. I don't know why. <laughs> that I snake have a, is a freaking dick. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I have a jag hat from Julie, and that thing is just evil. And then uh, I have a caramel jag hat from Eric, and that thing's evil. So it's like Darwin and jag. I guess they were never <laughs> supposed to mix. So, yeah. Oh, he's not He's not going to get bred to shit. <laughs> no, 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 for, I don't no, want to no, make more gonna make, You're going to make more mad. Yeah, oh man, I have all that frustration. Oh. <laughs> I think the only thing worse that I could do to make 
snakes meaner is if I bred him to like a zebra or something. I think that's the only <laughs> thing that can make those animals meaner. There you go. Uh, well, we were probably going to cut off at any point. So, oh, and why don't you hit on those last questions and we'll put your information out there so to make sure if anybody wants to get in touch with you. Well, do that for yeah. You know, how do, how yeah, do right. people get so in touch with you? Info out. Yeah. Okay. I don't have a, you know, website or anything, but, uh, you know, Ryan Rumbly on Facebook, uh, that's the best way to find me. You can friend me or send me a message, whatever. And, uh, okay. uh that's pretty much it. Cool. I mean, I, as, as of right now, and that's, that's where I'm at. And on your Facebook page is where you post all your, you know, your pairings and everything that you got going on. That's where they can find you. Yeah, right? th- there, and then just like the, you know, the different colubrid pages and all that. That's where, uh, that's where stuff is posted. Just different pictures, pairings, okay. and all that. Gotcha. Cool. All right. So, if you could keep any species without limitations of law or anything like that, what would it be and why? I wish if they weren't okay, the snake that I would want to keep but it would not be venomous <laughs> would be I would like to keep cobras if they were venomous or not venomous. Like I wish cobras were like regular colors. Weren't venomous? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Any like if cobras weren't cobra? venomous, that's what I'd have. Alright. Any particular cobra or just cobras? Uh I guess if I had to pick one, I really like those uh those black ones from Iran that Tom Crutchfield oh. has, those are Mang Chin Vipers, those. If they weren't venomous, cause I, <laughs> if they weren't I would venomous. get killed first day having a venomous snake, so I don't have any. <laughs> it's so pretty. Ah. <laughs> yeah, okay. Oh, yeah, I'd yeah, forget. Yeah. I'd be rifling through tubs and be like, that's not a milk snake. Whack. Uh. Oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, if you could go field surfing anywhere in the world, where would you go and what would you be hoping to find? Uh, pretty much anywhere in uh, Indonesia, you know, like Malaysia, Thailand, uh, any of those places, and I'd just be going for beauty snakes and the different colubrids, and, you know, that was a tough choice between there and Australia. I'd love to go to Australia, yeah. too. Cool. Well, all right, those are, that's all the questions we got for you, but um, thanks for coming on and schooling us with colubrids, and I assume... Eric is going to get a box from you filled with colubrids at some point soon. Because that's usually how it <laughs> yeah, goes. Yeah, he, yeah he, he calls me in a week and goes, guess what I'm getting? And I'm like, ah, kind of a bitch. <laughs> so, you know, I imagine that's going to happen soon. Well, yeah, and I told, I told him I'd be at uh, Tenley with Julie, so. Oh, yeah. I'll have there stuff there. That's trouble. Man, we're going to come home <laughs> with more snakes in October than we, like, went there we with. Went- that's, yeah, yeah. I'll get a I'll get a I'll get a Facebook Facebook message later. Be like you and all your damn colubrids take these things back. <laughs> yeah, yeah uh, that happens that's awesome. too. So, well, thanks again for coming on. We're gonna have to have you back um, when Eric starts getting confused with his colubrids of what to do. So, you know, we'll have you back on. You can teach him <sighs> on air. Yeah. <laughs> Try to stay better on topic next time. <laughs> it ha- no, I, I nah, no worries. Off topic. Yeah, any moment to talk about rough scales, I'm good. I'm game. 
So, oh man, yeah. <laughs> oh, awesome. Right. Well, well, cool. All right. Thanks, next thanks time. for having me on, guys, and I'll talk to you later. All right. Absolutely. All right, Owen. Uh, we're probably going to cut off uh, any second. Um, All right. So I'm let's quick, uh, try to do as much as I can. <laughs> um, um, go to the go to real the quick. carpet fest. It's April thirtieth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Go it's to the four southwest o'clock. one. It's May twentieth. Do that one. Go to the northeast one. It's yeah. May twenty first to three p.m. to when Owen kicks everyone out of his house. Um. Please support U.S. Art. You can do that by buying a T-shirt at the Brewster. You should do that. Merely Python Radio. It's a podcast. I hear it's pretty freaking good. You can follow it on Twitter. You can also go to MerlinPythonRadio.com, and if you have any emails or complaints, don't send them to us. We don't want to hear about it. But if you have to, you can go to info at MerlinPythonRadio.com. Uh, Eric, he does things. He has a website. It's uh, ebmorelia.com. Uh, you can reach him by saying eric at ebmorelia.com. Send him many, many, many emails. He loves those. He also has a Twitter and Instagram, but I don't follow him on either one of those. Um, Rogue Reptiles. It's a good place. We got lots of stuff. Nothing right now. They're all in eggs. So you're going to have to check back later, and you'll see what we have later. As far as shows, I might not be at the Hamburg April 30th show. I might be somewhere else. Um that's all we got. Did you want to add anything? <laughs> I'm pretty sure I got everything. So he's gone. What I'll say is thank you all for listening, and we're going to catch everybody next week for some more Morelia Python Radio. Good night.